Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Cinematic Universe. I'm your host, Joe Cunningham, and joining me is... James Hunts, for now. Yeah, for now. You are joining us, listeners, for our sixth annual i think james copies yeah why not six wow <laughs> um <laughs> now obviously in in previous years um we would have had sepia to do this with us it was um it w- we were debating whether to do this it's also obviously been a weird year in terms of there's not been many new releases the lack of releases yeah there hasn't been as many episodes of this podcast for you know for for obvious reasons and we were kind of uh discussing what was the best way to go forward with this um and we thought hey why not turn it into a big old christmas end of year party so <laughs> james and i invited some of our pod friends along um and uh james do you want to do you want to run our listeners through who we've got joining us on uh, later on this podcast yes so joining us in the discussion we're going to have five people who have been on the podcast before um we've got caroline uh who first joined us for teenage mutant ninja turtles in episode 10 caroline uh, cedar of the of the av club of course if you're not yep. reading her rom-com columns you should be <laughs> Um, that's very satisfying to say, rom-com columns. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got we've got Reese Williamson, who you will remember first joined us for uh, Chronicle, which was episode eleven. Reese, um, I've got I've, I, I don't know if he's got anything to plug, so I'll just say he's on Twitter at Reese, where you can find him posting once <laughs> every couple of months. Yep, we've got Al Kennedy, who uh, turned up for Scott Pilgrim versus the World, episode twelve. So it's quite a run of guests we had there. Yeah, and Al, Al of course, uh, one of the hosts of House to Astonish comics. Yeah, podcast, and of which... Des- Desert Island Discworld as well, his Discworld podcast, which yeah. is excellent. So, if you, I mean, listeners, if you're not listening to those already, why are you listening to this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got Mike Leader, who I think I think he was first on for Hellboy. I think maybe he did a couple of guest uh, appearances, but. Uh, episode 22 hellboy is the first full winner he was on and, uh, mike what, what what do we plug for mike he's got his podcast Ghibli, Ghibliotech, Ghibliotech. Yep. 
Is that how <laughs> how do you pronounce it, James? I would say Ghibliotech with a hard G. Okay, well I, I'm going to say Ghibliotech. <laughs> uh, so we've got all the bases covered. <laughs> um, and and he also uh, commissions the inside cinema and inside game strands on the, the yeah. One of the BBC I mean, I he doesn't he doesn't commission us, but he commissions people. Yeah. I keep, I mean, uh, listeners, if you want to tweet him and, uh, you know, demand. <laughs> Don't ruin his life. <laughs> demand to see my Ruby Sparks pitch <laughs> brought to life. <laughs> that would ruin a lot of people's lives. <laughs> uh, and finally, we've got Ammon Woman, who first joined us, I believe, for Deadpool, which was uh, episode 27. Which was, uh, I mean, feels like a million years ago. Yeah. But and and Amon obviously is um I mean he he's a what's he not the, at this point? He's on the bloody editorial team at Empire magazine now. Yeah. He's on <laughs> he's on the Empire podcast. Again, if you're not listening to that while you're listening to this. <laughs> so yeah, and that's, that's it. The, that's it. That's our five guests. Um Al does does turn up a little bit later because as he revealed to us in what on WhatsApp later on, he'd fallen asleep on the but, floor of his child's bedroom. I mean, when he joins, does he ever hit the ground running? So yeah, so listeners, we've got we've got our sick fanual cuppies. We are um, we're running through all of the usual categories, but with a bit of a twist um, that you know all will be revealed when we when you join us in the past, which is the future for you. It's like <laughs> Avengers Endgame, um, <laughs> uh, and then you can listen to us run through all the categories, and then you will rejoin this version of James and I at the end of the podcast uh, to, to do a little bit of um, admin and uh, to do the Hall of Fame. Yes, listen out for everyone getting progressively drunker. Yes, especially Reese. Especially Reese. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Okay. Enjoy the rest of the show. Hello and welcome to Cinematic Universe. We are we're at our annual show, The Cuppies. Um, except we decided we're going to do something a little bit differently this year. Uh, this year, the films that were covered on the podcast included Superman Returns, Hulk, Josie and the Pussycats, Batman and Robin, Bloodshot, Terminator 2, X-Men Days of Future Past, Sonic the Hedgehog, Birds of Prey, and Superman 4, which not many of them are very good. Um, so I'm not sure how interesting it would have been uh, to debate, like, who's the best actor out of, I don't know, maybe Hugh Jackman again, or Vin Diesel, or George Clooney, or Brandon Ralph. Um, so what we thought we'd do um, is kind of broadly throw out this hellscape of a year that has been 2020. Uh, James and I have gone through this year's selections and kind of chosen nominal winners for each of these. And instead, what we're going to do is go back through the, the history of the copies. We have five previous winners in each category, so six to choose from, from each. And we're going to essentially choose the champion of champions. I think for most of the, you know, for most of this stuff, we've covered all of the big hitters when it comes to uh, superhero movies by this point anyway. So really what we're doing is selecting the greatest ever for comic book movies. Um, but... I, uh, you've only heard me so far. I'm joined by lots of guests. The first, of course, is uh, James Hunt. Hello. Um, and then uh, let's 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 go. Uh, I'm going to go clockwise on my Zoom. We've got Caroline. Hi. Nice to be here to this little Christmas Zoom party <laughs> celebration. <laughs> Cuppies. We're, we're zooming. We're on camera for the first time. That's quite that's quite novel for us. Um, <laughs> so we can see each other. Um, our next guest, Reese, has even put clothes on for the occasion. 
I've got clothes on. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, happy to be here. Um, as I said, Joey, I was expecting a, a sort of a nonsense, drunken, nothing chat with with Joey and James, and then I looked at the looked at the Gmail invite maybe five minutes before we started. I was like, oh, there's there's real people on this. There's lots of real people with things. Oh shit. Okay. Uh, so here, yeah, great. Good to be with you know real people and not not just Joe and James. It's great. Uh, next on my screen, we've got Amon. Hello there. Yes. Hey. A real, a real person. As, uh, yeah. As, one of as one of the aforementioned <laughs> real people. <laughs> uh, we've. Uh, I'm not going to lie. We've got you here mostly to decide the best score category, and everything else is is a bonus <laughs> after that. <laughs> I feel used, but I'm all right with it. <laughs> and then, uh, finally, for now at least, we've got Michael. Hello. I, I don't when, think... was the, when was the last time you were you were on the podcast? It's it's so, been a while, right? Hellboy two was yes. the last full episode, but I was also on a news minisode that was on YouTube. Oh um, yes, before, after that, you as were well. yeah, uh, talking about the Sandman on uh, <laughs> Audible series. Was that we went to the cast for that? I think <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, I'm excited. That was a I've, big I've, news I've, week. <laughs> I've never been on an episode where Joe's drinking, so who knows what's going to happen. Oh, you, uh, you, you, you know of. You know yeah, you, you, you probably have. <laughs> Listen, it's Christmas. I've got, I've got a lovely beer here. Um, I'm, I'm probably going to have a few more. Um, <laughs> mince pies might come out at some point this evening. It's a Christmas party. Um, Listeners don't expect the height of professionalism tonight. Um, with, for a change, yeah, for, for yourself, John. I'm very professional. <laughs> Thank you very much. No, okay, <laughs> I'm going to professionally introduce the first category. So we do this every year. Got to start off with a big one, but not not too not too, you don't want to go like best director or you know best actor actress first. We go best supporting, and I think this year we'll start with best supporting actor. Um, nominally for this year, James and I have selected um, Patrick Stewart from Days of Future Past as the mm. Best Supporting Actor winner. He will go head to head with, and this I'll, I'll go in reverse order through the years. Lawrence Fishburne for The Matrix, controversial winner last year. He's amazing, but is The Matrix a superhero movie? Was the debate we had every time that came up. Um, you guys covered it on your podcast. You know, we, we also covered Terminator 2 this year, and James and I went through every category going, this is probably the only good film we covered. <laughs> but it can't win all the awards. <laughs> um, Heath Ledger for The Dark Knight. Tom Hiddleston for The Avengers, Steve Buscemi for Ghost World, and J.K. Simmons for Spider-Man. Oh, well, this, this is easy. <laughs> is it? Is it, right? Come on then, Amon. one of these think? people could win, yeah. Heath Ledger, Dark Knight, end of discussion, next. Are we I, I, mean, I am inclined to agree, because he Me is the too. only one who has really like, nailed the pop culture crossover. Yeah. He, he, I mean, he won an Oscar for it. Yeah. <laughs> Quite. Is yeah, it so gr- he's got his award already. He's got his. You know, we can, <laughs> we can give the copy to somebody else. <laughs> James, you said it was hard. Who 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 would you be fighting for? I mean, it's of? hard because they're all great, but I I couldn't take it away from Heath Ledger. Given given the opposition, like they're all they're all good, but Heath Ledger is transcendent. I think said- he also he benefits from having like a very meaty role, right? Like I love J.K. Simmons and Spider Man, but that's not really the role you're gonna sink your teeth in. You know, you don't have the material <laughs> per se. And he might win again for this 
for this character in the future. So, yeah, <laughs> like if 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 Heath Ledger wasn't a part of this character, this category, probably Lawrence Fishburne in the Matrix would be my pick. Um, he's really really great uh, in that role. Way in though, I'm on. Is it is it a superhero movie? No. <laughs> <laughs> But he flies um, at the end. <laughs> this is our entire argument. He flies at the end. So does Airbud. Doesn't make it super well. <laughs> <laughs> good. Reese has been yeah. looking at the 2021 schedule. We're running out of movies, you guys. We're going to do Air one through seven. Airbud and all the Air Buddies franchises coming next. Yeah. I I would wager no. It's a sci-fi movie. A very good sci-fi movie. It's not a super movie. Um, even though it has some similarities with the genre so i'll i'll verge on that one that one mike can you put can you can you just go or can you put the the previous guys in the chat or just say them again just just so we we i'll i'll say them again patrick stewart for days of future past Lawrence fisherman for the matrix heath ledger for the dark knight tom hiddleston for the avengers steve buscemi for ghost ghost world and jason k simmons for spider-man the first hiddleston's the only one that would 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 Approach. Yeah, and he's had a lot more material to work with over the years. Yeah, and yeah. and that's the key, right? So Hiddleston and Simmons both have multiple films or multiple performances mm. with which to to crop up and build on that, or to delight us time and again. Where if this is just a supporting actor for a single film, mm. it's it's got to be Heath Ledger or Lawrence Fishburne. But that's 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 not a superhero movie. And it. <laughs> I think the the ledger performance as well because it, it you know it is kind of weightier than mm-hmm. you tend to get in comic book movies and the kind of the range of stuff that he gets to play as well and how he I think how he kind of completely gets that character and keeps you guessing and leaves Joker as this Enigma, and I don't think that I don't think that's fully in the script as well. I know the script has like the different versions of the story he's telling, but I think the fact that you could kind of plaster on three or four different uh, motivations for that character, and they're all believable, uh, because he, I think he's probably playing them all at different points in the film, and just that introductory scene with the pencil, and... <laughs> right? <laughs> you could probably just say that that one scene will do it. <laughs> Okay. It's so interesting, like, um, you know, with the Jack Nicholson portrait of the character, for so long that had been so, so indelible and it felt like, you know, I, I, I remember discussions in the build-up to The Dark Knight, like, how are they going to sort of move away from that? And with the Heath Ledger Joker, it's such, a, it's such an iconic performance. It feels like, you know, people are still are going to have to work that much harder to sort of create a new version of that character because of that version of the character. And luckily um, no one's tried since. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think I think that sounds like it's pretty unanimous then. The best supporting actor ever is Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. <laughs> okay, um, second category is um, it's one that is going to be weird to kind of do for a for a retrospective, but this is best new film. So each year we have um, we have just gone through the films released that year that we covered on the podcast and selected the winners. Uh, this year we went for Birds of Prey, which beat out Bloodshot and uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> Sonic. <laughs> um, so justice for Sonic. 
Yeah. Wait, I have to say, I literally watched Sonic yesterday. I cried at the end. I what? loved it. Did he fall on a spike and lose all his rings? I, what happened? It, listen, it's about family. Oh, it's about his found family. He gets he, oh. he just wants to be loved and then he gets a little bedroom and anyway, I'll defend Sonic. Gets a little bedroom. <laughs> if you're gonna defend Sonic, the reason to defend Sonic is because of Jim Carrey's performance as Robotnik, which is mm. incredible legitimately but the, the movie around it is a bit there but does jim Sorry, carrey get a little bedroom at the end that is what yeah no bedroom <laughs> i'm in it for Sonic james marsden i want james marsden adopting rodents i want that to be its own genre that's my genre the marsden verse <laughs> and listen i get it i cried at the original trailer for sonic um <laughs> those teeth um but yeah so best new film went to birds of prey this year the previous winners um have been avengers endgame avengers infinity war wonder woman captain america civil war and ant-man um and i I think as as we kind of as you go to the middle of that list that's where we really had like in the end game infinity war wonder woman years we had so many films to choose from i'm still not necessarily sure we got it right infinity war year uh, James would vi- I am. Yeah. violently disagree, but that was the year of Into the Spider-Verse and Black Panther. And oh. James- <laughs> responsible for this. The listeners, Amon. We all picked a different one. Um, I think I was arguing for Black Panther. Seb was arguing for Into the Spider-Verse and James was arguing for Infinity War. We couldn't decide, so we put it to the listeners and they picked Infinity War. Democracy doesn't work. I've said it once and I've said it a hundred times. It doesn't work. And in retrospect, even though, I was arguing for, well. even though I was arguing for Black Panther, I think probably the best new film, I think anyway, the best new film that was released was, was Spider-Verse during our... Without podcast. question. I say this that... as somebody who you know, obviously loves Black Panther and loves Infinity War. But Spider-Verse was the best super from 2018. It was the best yeah. film of 2018. Even, I re- even I'm looking back and going like, I probably got that one wrong. I, I said it like the, the next episode back, I announced it. And I was like, so this is Dick's Infinity War, but I think I've already changed my mind because I rewatched Spider-Verse again. It's really, really It's funny. a perfect no, but this, movie. But this <laughs> episode, is- this one we're recording now, has to be about almost about regret and about dealing with the mistakes that you guys have made in your past. We have to deal with this. Okay, but Listen. I think we should pull an end game, go back in time, yeah. oh, retroactively shit. give this oh, entire category to Spider-Verse, which is not even nominated, but you're making the rules, so why not? Well, listen, yep. right? If we, if, down for that. if we look at that original list, Ant-Man, Civil War, Wonder Woman, Infinity War, End Game, Birds of Prey, is the one that stands out there that you would go, right, if we wanted to pit them against Spider-Verse now, what's, what's the one? I would still go with Infinity War, you know. <laughs> like, I, 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 loved it. <laughs> I, I still think, like, you know, and I know that you know, Joe vehemently disagrees with this, but Civil War is still top of my MCU rankings. But as much as I love that <laughs> film, it, it doesn't, it's not, doesn't come close to Spider-Verse. It's not in the same league. Um, in, I agree. Into the Spider-Verse should win this category. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love Infinity War. I will always love Infinity War, but Into the Spider-Verse is undoubtedly <laughs> the better film out of 
like none of these films can compete with it. Who was pitching? Who was pitching for Spider Verse then on that year at that on that podcast? Was it you so or Joey? Would be, that would have been Seb. Yeah, it was Seb. So he was always the wisest of you guys. So I'm okay with I'm okay with picking Spider Verse, but only if Joey, you go back and you find a clip of James arguing that it shouldn't be Spider Verse. Right you put that now okay, and, you, and you play it. Listen, I, I still I still think the best clip to dig out would be when we first discussed the trailer and then James just wrote it off and was like, no, this this looks <laughs> That's bad. That's a kid. We first that on Twitter. All I, I said at the time was that the trailer didn't excite me. I made no judgment about the film that was coming. <laughs> I definitely want to listen to this. Oh, I yeah. <laughs> I mean, if any, if anyone wants to go back and pick any episode at random, you are guaranteed <laughs> that we've said something equally stupid. Yeah. Well, I can't even remember what I think about these movies now. I'm like, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say something on this episode that someone's gonna guarantee be able to go. You had the opposite opinion when you covered that on the show. Mm. I mean, we did um, we did um, Age of Ultron fairly early on, and. I think that my opinion on that film has flip-flops like five times since we recorded it. And <laughs> I, I couldn't honestly tell you what I thought of it the first time. I probably didn't engage with any of the interesting stuff. And I, 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 think, I think I can tell you what you thought of it, Joe. I think, I think you looked on Twitter and saw, this, saw, the, saw the tweets from this guy called Amon Woman telling me that <laughs> Age of Ultron was actually very, very good and might even be better than the first one. See, I still, I've, st- I've never flip flopped <laughs> that far, <laughs> <laughs> but I think I did enjoy it. The first time around. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so are we going to go? We're going to go full on like berserker straight away and just say <laughs> we were idiots. We got it wrong. We're we're getting the Infinity Gauntlet. We're going back in time, and we're we're destroying <laughs> Infinity War as a winner. Listen, the yeah. events of that movie were written out of existence, and now too. Mm-hmm. So has that movie won its like, winning this award? Oh, I, I was always, I was almost about to. Wow, I was just okay. I was gonna say that Infinity War had the best moment of 2018, but then I considered Spider Verse's "What's Up Danger" moment. Yep. Am I prepared to say that that moment is better than Bring Me Thanos? Is the question? I don't know <laughs> because I love Bring Me Thanos with a passion, as some of you guys may know. Um, Oh, the fact that it's even a discussion should, you know, underline how awesome both of those scenes are. My goodness. I don't know. It's very, very tough. Well, I mean, we're not counting for best moments. So. Yeah, we don't, we don't have a best moment award, so <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, I'll let you... What is this, the VMAs? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, some of these awards, yes. It's, it's not far <laughs> off. Um, <laughs> Okay. Um, next, next category. So we we are giving it to Into the Spider Verse. It's it's yes. done. It it is decided. Next category is best song, um, which um, has has had some fun choices over the years. Um, Caroline, you'd be thrilled to know that this year we selected three small words from Josie and the Pussycats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Last year we went for "It's Been a Long, Long Time," which is the uh, the song that plays over the Cap and Peggy dance at the end of Endgame. Uh, the year before that, we went for Spidey Bells from Into the Spider-Verse. What? <laughs> what you, like, which, which is the better one I want? What's up, Danger? Sl- sunflower? Like, as much as I love Spidey Bells, come on, the, the better tracks on that soundtrack. I mean, you've got Chris Pine going full Shatner. I'm not saying it's bad. <laughs> I really enjoy it. I'm going to play it in a couple of days when Christmas comes around, but still. The category that year, I think, was pretty heavily 
into the Spider-Verse. Um, the year before that, we went for Star Spangled Man for, from uh, Captain America, the first Avenger. The year before that, we went for Black Sheep from Scott Pilgrim. And the first year we went for... Um, oh, no, that can't have been the first year. Maybe it was. Uh, we went for, for Running Home to You from The Flash. <laughs> okay. I think I've got those two the wrong way around. I think Black Sheep was year one and Running Home to You was year two. This is, weird. This is a weird category. <laughs> Strong category. Really? It's always a weird category, Reese, but it's the, it's the category that allows us to play in a clip. Uh, so it's a great ah, edit. It's normally a great it's a, edit it's point halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Who's feeling I'll, passionate? I'll Mike, have you, got, have you got any there? Yeah. That it's, oh, I mean, three small words. A, a great great song and if if Josie and the Pussycats is going to win anything this year it should be something like that <laughs> however you know Star Spangled Man and Black Sheep like the two like almost polar opposites of what counts as a great song in a film right there <laughs> and now Black Sheep is finally having its moment where they're fine what they're really finally releasing the version that's in the film on the new re-release yeah and the um, soundtrack soundtrack yeah um it's it's Star Spangled Man for me um, I mean yeah, yeah I, I can't argue with that <laughs> I, was, I mean, James and Mike lost me for a second there because I—I'll I, be honest. When I watched Scott Pilgrim, I'm like, which which one is Black Sheep? The one where they <laughs> say Black Sheep the song over, that, over again. Yeah, like, the song that Envy sings. <laughs> I just Black remember, Sheep like, is... I was like, I'll let you guys decide this. I—I I don't know. <laughs> so Black Sheep is the. It's it was written by Metric and performed by um, Brie Larson in the yes. film. That yeah. version hasn't been released, but it's on the new soundtrack, as Mike says. Right. I still listen to that, like, that's on rotation even now. That's the only one of these songs I would listen to properly, with the possible exception of Spidey Bells. I would say yeah. it's, the, it's the only one on my list, on this list, that is not in my Spotify, like, <laughs> loop. Listen, there's no we accounting have, for taste, Joe. The Scott Pilgrim soundtrack for me, I love, I love that movie so much, so much, but the soundtrack I love even more. I, mm. that, was, that was completely in my rotation. Every single song for maybe six months, Black Sheep of these of this list, that would be my that would be my choice as well. Okay. Love that song. We, we, we might have to put this one to a vote. So Reese is saying Black Sheep. Amon is saying Star Spangled Man. Mike, you you, you seem caught with caught in two minds here. I'm going with Josie and the Pussycats actually. I'm oh, you Josie and the Pussycats. Oh, okay, okay, we got mode. three. Sorry. Sorry. Shit. Shit, he's low-key, he's low-key. No. This is like, okay, it, it's actually physically painful for me to vote against Josie and the Pussycats, <laughs> my number one love, but I do feel like for the purposes of this podcast, like Star Spangled Man feels like it, it really represents the spirit of this podcast. So uh, with all the love to Josie, I think I'm going to put my vote to Star Spangled Man. Okay, and James, do you, would, where, would, where would you be voting? Black Sheep. Okay, well, I would go Star Spangled Man as well. I'm so. changing my vote. I'm changing my vote. <laughs> I'm changing my vote. Dramatic. Um, I think that's right. I, you know, Black Sheep's a really nice song, it, but in a comic book movie. But Star Spangled Man is a it's a better choice for the number one song for all yeah. comic book movies as a single. I'm song happy with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, fair. That sequence in that film is just gorgeous as well. Like it's that's it's as good so as that film fun. gets. There is the moment where Peggy goes to grab the abs, James. You've got to remember that. <laughs> and also the, the other two hours of the movie is all, is all pretty yeah. great. <laughs> I think Star Spangled Man is the high point of the film. And then after it that, it's just pretty much by the numbers. But... It's trash, trash. <laughs> <laughs> James, why must you be James? <laughs> That's his brand. <laughs> 
Can I just? Uh, I, I I think when I selected this the first time, it was we had no other competition, and James and Seb just went whatever the fuck you want. I don't care. Um, running home to you in the Flash is really sweet. I, I don't know, Caroline. Were you still watching the Flash? At, yeah, I was, but that would not concert. be my my pick from that. Do you like um, Do you like episode. Super Friends? Yeah, a hundred percent. I watch that like <laughs> once a week when I just need to pick me up. I find that so uh, yeah. I think it. Yeah, that would be my pick from that episode. That Flash musical episode for anyone who hasn't seen it has, um, I think, half of the tracks are written by the La La Land duo, um, who and they did Run, Running <laughs> Home to You, and then Rachel Bloom, who did Crazy Ex Girlfriend, wrote Super Friends and maybe one one of the others. Caroline, I can't remember. Um, and I think just those two, and then the other ones were all covers. And it's a it's it's delightful, right? It's a really it's a really fun episode, and uh, yeah. I would I would highly recommend people uh tracking down that music on spotify it's fun <laughs> okay but was it we're, we're picking star spangled man i think we're right it's the it's it, it it's original superhero music as well which i like it's yeah. rather rather than just a track that is great in the yeah. film okay and it's christmas so you can listen to spidey Bell, spidey bells as well <laughs> 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 right okay um one of our made-up awards here that you don't get on other shows. Um, best villain. Let's start off with best villain uh, because that, that's the more fun category, right? Oh, no. Um, this year, we... Um, <laughs> if I, I think we, what we said to ourselves is if we were being honest, it would be the T-1000, Robert Patrick in mm-hmm. Terminator 2. But it's not a superhero movie. So James <laughs> made the wild card choice of... Uh, Mr. Freeze in Batman and Robin. <laughs> Wait, wow. not Poison Ivy in Batman and Robin? Mm. No, uh, Dr. Robotnik. Will be better. <laughs> Rob- Robot- Robotnik was discussed. <laughs> not, not enough. <laughs> <laughs> I was making the case for Nick Nolte in uh, Hulk, but that that also. So, but we went we went for Mr. Freeze because whoever we chose, we needed was, someone. Was no one from. No one from this year is going to win, so it does, no. almost doesn't matter, yeah. So, previous villains that were the best villains of the year. Agent Smith from The Matrix, uh, Killmonger from Black Panther, General Zod from Superman 2, Dr. Octopus from Spider-Man 2, and Kingpin from Daredevil Season 1. Would have that been at the time. a very strong category. I have That's an a good list, isn't it? <laughs> I have an immediate standout, though. And that is Dr. Octopus. Same. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've got I've got a different one. So, guys, between you, make the make the Doctor Octopus case, and then I'll I'm gonna mount a rebuttal. So, the it's an iconic villain who had never been done like never been done on screen in live action before. They that was the second movie. <laughs> yeah, but no, no previous Spider Man TV series. Never been done. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Keep continuing. Continue. <laughs> um. I think they they got every aspect of the character right, which is that they they made him menacing, but you also you cared about him. Um, the effects were great. When he was announced as coming back for the new Spider-Man film, I could not have been happier with any previous villain choice. Certainly not Electro. <laughs> <laughs> Who is not on this? Too list? tall, yeah. too tall, too skinny, not fat enough. Doc Ock should he should be like more bulbous. Nah, I was happy with it. 
That's my hot take. That's the scolding <laughs> hot take. Not exactly Hugh Jackman's Wolverine, was it? <laughs> Caroline, Mike, um, you, you agreed on Doc Ock. So why, yeah. why were you nodding along? Yeah, well, everything James said. And I also feel like Alfred Molina like really set a template for the modern day like sympathetic villain in a live action superhero property, right? Like that to me was just like early icon that all these years later, I feel like it's just as compelling. And like you said, I was super excited to see him announced again. So like a good representative of this whole category. That's going to be my argument for everything. If I feel like I'm just saying, it represents the genre as a whole, so it should win. I'm going to go with Killmonger. Um, because some of the ideas that uh, are, some of the themes of Black Panther for which he is a vessel for in terms of what is being mm. discussed, I think is still game changing. Um, mm. To this day, when I think about Killmonger's final line and the fact that it's in a Disney Marvel movie, it's pretty mm-hmm. insane. Um, mm. And in addition to all of that, uh, he makes me want to go to the gym. <laughs> which I, I, can't, I can't have a love-hate relationship with. Um, but there you go. There Listen, Kill, Killmonger is, Killmonger is the, definitely the sexiest villain on this list. <laughs> a good reason to choose Don That's Don not Don the category that name, Amon. <laughs> that's the next category. Sexiest villain is actually the next Yeah, that's next. That's next. <laughs> oh, Currently, it's just best villain. <laughs> so I was going to say Killmonger as well. Um, I Obviously... Mm. Obviously, Kingpin has a very special place in my heart. And, you know, if he is not in the next Spider-Man movie, then they're doing something wrong. Um, but we've, uh, yeah, Killmonger, I think what what I really love about Killmonger as a, as a villain is, um, Ryan Coogler has talked about this, right? That he kind of started off by writing the villain and going, if I, if I kind of put all of my thoughts and frustrations and kind of the things that I kind of ultimately believe and then put them into a villain character and see how that plays out, how interesting is that going to be? And I think that's why you end up, you, you, you at least up until the third act of Black Panther, you're sat there going, do I... Uh, <laughs> do, do I agree with him? Do yeah. I agree mm-hmm. with the bad guy here? Like, mm-hmm. and... Or is he just hot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or is it... And it turns out, no, and, and he's hot. <laughs> and I think that's I think that's a really compelling angle to have on a villain to have like literally the the storyteller kind of buy into that um and 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 still you know and still have you at the end of the movie just about rooting for the hero but there's a re- you know there's a reason why that that death at the end of Black Panther hits hard as much as it does because like when he spits out that final line you go yeah, I kind of, I still kind of get it. That fight by the train is really lame. <laughs> it looks crap. <laughs> and yeah, every single fight in Spider Man 2, every single fight between the two of them in Spider Man 2 is so cool. If it's we're so, just, perfect. If we're just doing train fights. <laughs> yes. Doctor, that's two categories now. Yeah. Next category is sexist, but in the third category is best villain fight on a train. Both in Super stuff. Right, um, I, I'm just going to pause for a second because I think we have been joined by uh, our seventh hey! guest, uh, Al Kennedy. Thank you for joining us. Hello. Oh. I forgot to unmute the microphone there. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. It's a Stop! dramatic, dramatic Hello. entrance, Al. Yeah, <laughs> just in I'll... the shadows lurking. 
I know, I know that we've interacted on Twitter before, but this is this is the first time I think I've actually ever seen you. So hello. Yeah, I mean, because we, we've spoken before, because we did the um, the defenders. Oh yes. wow! Yeah. Wow! Wow! Good memory. What a thrill! Oh, One of the darkest <laughs> hours in superhero <laughs> movie and TV history. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. It had its moments. It was, it was worse than bad. Iron Fist. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was more worse than Iron Fist. Get the hell out of here! There's no way. Nothing is worse than Iron Fist, except for maybe or space in Human season one. Maybe that. Oh, wait, you know, I like that you had to clarify it was season one of a new movie. They might not make a second. Okay. Hashtag Soviet Humans. <laughs> you join us as we um, are arguing over who is the um, best villain that we've ever given an award to on this podcast. So so the, the list of Which villains that we I had know. were, yes. I'm not going to explain the context again, but we had Mr. Okay. Freeze. And then we had Agent <laughs> Smith, Killmonger, General Zod, Dr. Octopus and Kingpin. And we think we are ultimately arguing between Dr. Octopus and Spider-Man 2 and Killmonger in Black Panther. Do you have any? Uh, do you have any strong feelings either way there? I think those are. That's pretty much where I would go as well. I mean, are we, are we talking Kingpin? Which Kingpin? I guess. Uh, D'Onofrio. Ah <laughs> uh, well. Uh. D'Onofrio, he kind of. I, I think he gets sullied by the third season. I know we gave him it for the first season, but his return is just not as good. See, well, I'm thinking about whether it's going to be D'Onofrio. That does make me pause, <laughs> and that that in turn. Makes me think of D'Onofrio. So. <laughs> Sugar, water. That would be fun if he yeah, did that. That, was, <laughs> that was the that missing was... fourth season. Oh, we were robbed. <laughs> we that, were robbed. Reese, that, <laughs> that performance was a nominee on a, on a separate podcast. There. I, I think we did go for, uh, what's his name? Something Bug? Bug, dude. Ed, yeah, Ed, Edgar. Edgar Bug. Edgar, 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 Edgar Bug. yeah. Sure. Do we need to put this? Do we need to put this to a vote? Who who had who had Doctor Octopus? Yeah, and we've got. I'll go for that. We've yeah, got me. three votes for Doctor Octopus. Killmonger. Four. I think we've got four. Oh, we got four. Oh, yeah. I thought I thought Reese was just scratching his head. What if we can, can we, again? Can we have anarchy and just give it to them both? I'm in a clearly. I just want to blow up the entire. <laughs> <structure>. <laughs> because... Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's a weird year. Why don't we have two? Why don't we spread the love? Why don't we know winners? Why don't we stop the podcast now? Anarchy. This is over. All superhero movies are bad and this is cancelled. We should have an early an early representative of the first phase of superhero movies and a representative of the second phase of superhero movies. I feel I like think... you're speaking about like we're gonna put them in a capsule and shoot them into space. <laughs> It would be fun if we could, Joe. If we could get the budget for that, that would be. That's, that's I'll see. I'll I see. Think, I'll see what Twenty twenty has had enough villains as it is. Fair. <laughs> so I well, I mean, and Caroline, you did vote for Doctor Octopus, and your vote essentially, no, but I just essentially <laughs> carries the vote. Listen, I, I, <laughs> I love Killmonger too, but Doctor Octopus. Okay. Got to have it. I'm mad at it. Amon's furious. <laughs> okay, so we'll, we'll give it to Doctor Octopus, um, and we will move on. Let, let's let's go to um, best screenplay. Um, so th- this this is always tricky because 
we're not normally looking out for the screenplays in these movies. We just want to see, you know, which villains are sexy and who, who's got who's, the longest cape. Who's got, yeah, who's got the longest cape. Um, so for best screenplay for this year, we selected Birds of Prey. Um, and we add that to a list which includes Adam's Family Values, Spider-Man mm. Into the Spider-Verse, Iron Man 3, Ghost World and Kick-Ass. Spider-Verse, next. <laughs> nah, it is it is the the best screenplay of the lot. The the everything it manages to talk about um, in such an effective, powerful way, uh, I think is just exceptional. The, all all the themes which are beautifully set up and developed all the way through, and then has that amazing payoff in the final act in like three, four, five amazing different ways. Um, it's a special, special movie. Uh, I don't think any, as, as much as I love some of the other uh, films which you mentioned there, I don't think anything comes close to Spider-Verse. The funny thing is we, we, we would have given Spider-Verse the best new film award, even though it wasn't voted you know, on it on the year. <laughs> so is this, is this the award, like the Oscars do, right? This is the award to, to sort of spread the love a little bit and give it to Iron Man 3? Even though I agree with you, I agree with you, Spider-Verse is probably the best screenplay, but you know, give it to number two just to, just well, to spread the love. So I don't I don't know if I if I do the degree of difficulty in terms of what Shane Black and Drew Pierce pulled off with Iron Man 3, given the stuff that we know was going on behind the scenes and the way that the kind of the original villain of that movie got kind of, you know, just Kneecaps. Well, <laughs> the film of that movie is a promoter. I mean, well, that's the, that is the point. Isn't it? Would, yeah, would, would Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse have been good if Ike Perlmutter had been vetoing things? And I would say no, because it wouldn't have had Miles Morales in it. Yeah, that's the point. That's exactly yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. It, wouldn't, it wouldn't have had a female villain because you, could, you couldn't have had your Dr. Octopus there. Um, because toys, Joe. Toys. <laughs> oh, fair, toys are cool. Yeah, and, and all of, and all of us have our Aldrich Killian toys at home. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I, the angle, the zoom angle doesn't. It's in the other corner here. It is there, but it's sorry, my desk doesn't move. It's huge. It's actually as big as the room. It's absolutely massive. I've got the variant from him at the start of the movie. It plays Eiffel sixty five. Oh, you got the variant. Ah, <laughs> on a roof on his cool. own. <laughs> Jealous. That screenplay's great. I mean, the dialogue in that screenplay's great. And I think it's got a really smart undercurrent. The, the angle that it chooses to that it chooses to explore with Tony Stark's PTSD, and then mm-hmm. and then you know framing an Iron Man movie, which is to be fair, why a lot of people hate it. But framing an Iron Man re- movie around what if um, what if Iron Man's having kind of like an identity crisis? And we just make him not Iron Man and try and figure out if Tony Stark kind of still exists. What is the dichotomy between this superhero and his alter ego? Yeah, it's just what Cap said in the in Avengers. You know, take away the suit, who are you? <laughs> in the uh, Playboy philanthropist. Yeah, exactly. Kevin McAllister, grown up. <laughs> make him talk, make him But it's one, it's the, one of the central questions in Iron Man 3 is, well, what is he without the suit? You know, we take the mm-hmm. suit away from Tony for... Long periods of Iron Man three, and then they slowly build it back up. Yeah, it's a very smart script. Yeah, great film. I just say the, the I think the things that don't work about it are 
outside of the script's control almost. And also mm-hmm. it's got that it's got that reveal in the middle that did anyone here see that coming when they saw the movie for the first time? Yeah. No, but as I've spoken about this before, it's probably going to get people mad at me all over again. But I appreciated the fact that I was surprised by the reveal to do that in a blockbuster of that size is not easy. And that, you know, it was impressive on that level. I just didn't like what the twist actually was. And it did take me out of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Listen, uh, so. you'll but you'll be able to cope with that after Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings and you know it's <laughs> we'll we'll have covered it all, the real Mandarin or whatever, and it and, and it will be fine and Trevor Slattery will uh-huh. be. Spider-Verse able to be does do a similar version of that twist, right? What? What are you talking about? Yeah. yeah well Spider-Verse has um yeah, has Octavia. What's her name? Octavia, yeah. It's the flip of the twist, right? It's uh it's yeah. in Iron Man three it's the main villain turns out to be a normal person in in, in verse, it's the reverse. Mm-hmm. And you don't see yeah. it coming. Yeah, well, no, one twist so is a lot better than the other. <laughs> <laughs> I think this would have been a much harder category if you guys had nominated Josie and the Pussycats for this. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do think that that is a great screenplay. But but as much as I love Iron Man 3, I'm inclined to agree with Spider-Verse. Because I think the mix of everything Amon said in terms of the themes, but also how funny it is. And to be able to mm-hmm. do both, to be able to be that smart, and thoughtful and moving, but also that funny is a really hard thing to pull off. So I think also with Spider-Verse, what's amazing about it is that they they got the core of Spider-Man so perfect and they distilled all the Spider-Man attributes into like a two-hour film. Um, and, you know, we've heard in other Spider-Man movies and in other comics how, you know, Spider-Man doesn't have to be Peter Parker. You can be the master. We've heard all those messages before. We haven't really seen them visualized and, you know, packaged in the way that Spider-Verse does it. Same um, is true of Iron Man 3, though, right? Which is that they're, they, they kind of distill who Tony Stark is and remove the Iron Man suit to get there. So I, I agree with you, but I think Iron Man 2 kind of, kind of does, is doing the same trick a little bit. You know, Spider-Verse is saying, what is Spider-Man without Peter Parker? And Iron Man 3 is saying, what is I... What is Tony Stark without the Iron Man suit? So I, uh, you know, yeah. Mike, what's I'm, your? I'm trying to think back. Why didn't Black Panther win this in 2018? Because we because so it we, was against Spider Verse. But we talked yeah. so much about, you know, just then, Amon, you were saying Killmonger is a vessel for the theme of the movie. All these ideas were, are in the screenplay. The, mm. Part of the power of Spider Verse is in the direction, in the animation, in the everything, the moments, and the music. I, I, I'm, I'm more leaning on the side of Iron Man 3 in this sort of duo mm. here we've got going on, but I think <laughs> all of the, all, everything that I respond to about Black Panther, performances aside, of course, mm. is the ideas that are there from page one of the screenplay. Um, and we talk so much about how, you know, the train scene in the screenplay can just be like, you know, half a page. <laughs> they fight. Mm-hmm. You can skip that quite Previous easily. Guys. You just get back to, yeah. the, to the, yeah. the, these final, the final lines, as yeah. you say. I think one of the things about Spider-Verse as well is that it does have a fantastic script, but so much of the power of Spider-Verse comes from the interaction of half dozen different things mm-hmm. within the film. So, I mean, one of them obviously is the, the animation is um, is groundbreaking in, in its techniques. The acting is spectacular. 
Um, the, the script is really great. The, the music is sensational, the way that and it's straight. used in the film. So, so good. Mm. Um, which makes me wonder why we're not talking about the actual best screenplay in this list, which is obviously Adam's Family Rise. I'm I'm glad Ooh. you didn't pivot to kick ass there because I did reread this list and go, and go I had forgotten it was yeah. even nominated. Yeah. Um, when you were saying, you know, that this this shows what superheroes are, and I'm like, this shows what superheroes are for thirteen year old boys who've just hit puberty. <laughs> yeah, Iron Man three is what is Tony Stark without the Iron Man suit? Spider Verse is what is Spider Man without Peter Parker? Kick ass is what is superhero movies without any quality control whatsoever? <laughs> what if you just went out there and started twatting people? <laughs> Would you be a superhero? That's the yeah. question of kick ass. I think I also think Ghost World is great, but I I, I think that we should I think we should get a, we should have a brief a brief opportunity for Al to argue the case for Adam's Family Values, which is phenomenal. A, it's a miracle of a movie. Yeah, especially considering the first. Oh, which which is which is fine, which is fine. But to first take Adam's, that that much yeah, of a step up for the sequel. First Adam's Family is. It's a good film, but again, it's a film which is very much elevated by its performances. Um, particularly, um, Rahulia just carries the first film. Um, but in the second film, you retain those incredible performances. You add Joan Cusack's unbelievable performance as Debbie. She's so incredible in that film. And then every time you pause for a second there is a quiet little one-liner being slid in that is you know things like even when um i can't remember what the character's name is but um oh, mercedes McNabb's character the, um, the the girl at the, the summer girl, camp yeah yeah and she's like i'll be the victim and then wednesday's like all your life. <laughs> <laughs> All those kinds of things. The, the, the fact that you can have actors of the, the quality of Christine Baranski and um, Peter McNichol and people like that who, you know, they're, they're solid players in, in any ensemble, but in this every single one of them is given the chance to do something memorable and just the the ease the sharpness the the way that it just slides in like a knife this incredibly honed script without any apparent effort whatsoever to do something that looks that effortless is incredibly um, difficult and uh, I, I could watch Adam's Family Values every day and twice on Sundays May, So the only thing I think counts against Adam's Family Values is that it, to me it is just a very good comedy whereas the other ones feel like they have things to actually say and I love Adam's Family Values, Adam's Family Values but it does seem you know, shallow in terms of its themes and ideas. It's not, it's not really but checking what, in. 
What about Debbie? Though. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't her. She was a ballerina, graceful, elegant. I love it. I love it. But I think. I mean, yeah, I, I think I Iron Man Three and Spider Verse are, are saying a lot more with the time they've got. I wanted Al to be able to give to have the opportunity to argue for it because I just didn't expect anyone else to vote with him. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's convinced me. He's got my vote. Really? Well, yeah, got, sure. Okay, so we've got two. We've got two Adams family votes. We've got a breakaway faction. Mike, <laughs> Mike okay. has gone completely off piste and has gone Black Panther. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Iron Man three out of these out of these contenders, even with Shane Black copying, you know, Control C, Control Ving, Christmas, and Kid Sidekick, and all this stuff okay. from the earlier soundtrack. <laughs> we know, we know Amon has got Spider Verse. I've got Iron Man three. So Caroline and James, where are you? Where are you leaning? I'm going to stick Spider-Verse. Oh, so James has a deciding vote, I think. <laughs> I, can't, I can't not choose Iron Man 3. I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> it, it remains one of, my, one of my favorite Marvel films. Excellent. Okay, so best screenplay goes to Iron Man 3. What about Debbie? <laughs> <laughs> Debbie! Okay, I, I know, I feel like we've disappointed Amon a couple of times in a row now, so I'm going to move over to best score. <laughs> <laughs> so we can really disappoint him. <laughs> <laughs> with with our, our lack of comparative knowledge. So, um, Amon, you'll be happy to know that for this year, we selected best score of Superman Returns. Um, in previous years, now I don't think we did this on the first year of the podcast, so in previous years we have uh, Supergirl, The Dark Knight, Thor Ragnarok and The Flash. And I, I want you this I want you to take this opportunity to tell us where we've got it wrong each and every year. <laughs> Hold on. 2018, what film did you have? Uh The Dark Knight. No, 2018, not 2008. No, no, so but that that it was from the films we covered in 2018. So the dark. No, I'm on this. This whole award setup Wait. is it's not it's nonsense. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be clear. So the so the Dark Knight beat Black Panther and Spider Verse. See, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I love the score for the Dark Knight, it's not better than the score for Black Panther. So you went wrong there. And just and but mm. just remember here, I'm on that we don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. Dark Knight yeah. score is one of the most like it's one of the most influential movie scores, you know, ever. You know, so maybe quality aside, but that is a very important movie score. I love the Dark Knight history, score. Right? Like I love, like it's incredible. Um, I love how Zimmer built on the themes he inst- he established in Batman Begins. I love James Newton Howard's work with the Harvey Two Face scores. I think that's very very good. I think Like a Dog Chasing Cars is one of my favourite scores and the five favourite tracks on the entire trilogy. Oh, no, he, knows all, he knows all the names of the Just let him go. Just let him go. Sorry, I thought I was... I've missed, this is a mistake. I've been, I've been, I've been, <laughs> <laughs> he knows the name of the songs! <laughs> you come in a king, you best conqueror. <laughs> uh, I uh, hereby <laughs> resign from the podcast. Goodbye. <laughs> Um, and also, I mean, even even I would say, as a total rube here, like it's it probably wouldn't be like in my top two or three Hans Zimmer scores. So yeah, Same so that's me, that's what I think. That's what the argument against it is. So Amon, why don't you just tell us? You know, if you were picking like your top three superhero scores of all time, what would they be? Ooh, wow. Um, 
Well, Black Panther would definitely be in there. Um, I How does that one go? Can you can you help us? Yeah, I remember it now. Don't let's turn this into that bit in Only Connect that everyone mutes. The cringe bit. If we're talking about superhero scores, we have to talk about the superhero score by which all other superhero scores are measured. I have caught, of course, I've ta- I can't speak. I am, I am, of course, talking about uh, John Williams' original Superman score. Which, to be fair to us, I think was in the first year of the podcast where we didn't give this award. So let's retroactively say that we would have done. So, so is, yeah. is that why Spider-Man, Batman, and Superman aren't in here? Because you did that in the first year? Yes. Yeah. No, I think I think that's I think that's correct though. I think we did all of those. Yeah, yeah. We did all those. It's also and it's also why the Ben Affleck Daredevil isn't in here. (laughs) I can't believe that wasn't a nominee for best song. (laughs) Oh, Evanescence. Yeah. (laughs) Go back and redo that category. Yeah, if we're looking at the scores of those three, this the iconic scores of those three characters. Then Elfman's (laughs) Spider-Man theme. We have to um, recognise as well that that theme is basically a straight lift from Sesame Street's Captain Vegetable song. Is I Captain Vegetable with carrot and my celery? Just going to add a tab to my browser to so I can watch that afterwards. See, this this is a this is a tricky thing because if we're talking about the best overall score. Then the the discussion gets very you know tricky. If we're talking about the best theme, then if we're talking about best theme, then we got I said Black Panther, I said Superman. The other best theme, I, I will put the Avengers in there um, because the way that theme has evolved um, and really become part of the popular culture discourse in since 2012 is really special, um, and the way in which you know, they finally sort of caught on to that fact from 2018 onwards, or from 2017 onwards, when you first started seeing the first trailers for Avengers Infinity War, and how they really put that theme for in the foreground, um, and how, and what it's come to represent in both Endgame and Infinity War, the Avengers and also the Street theme has to be there. So of those three... Best score. <laughs> it's <not> best <laughs> if it's best score... Remind me of the nominees again. Uh, it's whatever it, the ones that you've just named. The nominees okay. are, are irrelevant at this point. <laughs> We're letting you take control of this category. Yeah. I think Ooh. is the vibe. So, I, so it sounds like you're yeah. saying: is it is it Superman? Is it um, Black Panther, or is it Avengers? <sighs> and I can see, I can, I can see Mike on the screen to your right as well, thinking: or is it Batman? <laughs> <laughs> I love I love Elfman's Batman. Um, I think it's great, um, but I I can't. I mean, if John Williams is in this category, and if Superman is the thing that John Williams is in the category for, then I would hate myself. I would go to sleep. Just like what 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 were you thinking, Amon? If, it, if, it, if I don't <laughs> if I don't say John Williams Superman, it is as I say the standard by which all other superhero scores, super themes are measured. It is incredible um and the fact that he did that not only in the midst of an incredible career where like on the side of that he was doing iconic scores just coming out with 
the things that we've been listening to that, that we have listened to for decades since he created them that we'll be listening to, listening to for however many decades after. But the fact that he did that when the superhero genre wasn't really a thing. Like, we didn't really know what uh, a superhero score could be at that point. John Williams created that blueprint, and he did it for nothing. I mean, it's just insane. The, 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 and then, yeah, it, it has to be John Williams. It's man. a solid it's a, argument. As yeah. much I know as I'm I, convinced. And, you know, we, that's what we would have given the award to in, in 2015 or whenever it was anyway. So, yeah, yeah. Um, we, were, we were right then. I just love that this podcast started off where we were like, we're not even doing that category. <laughs> 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 then Armand came on and changed it all. So, okay, uh, the winner for best score is uh, Superman, John Williams. Um, Assuming no one dissents. Does anyone dissent? No. Does, is anyone no. brave well enough? Okay, um, I'm going to pick one of these silly categories now that we can hopefully blast through, uh, which is best couple. Um, now, to my chagrin, the best couple in superhero movie history never got non- never got a win in this category. Um, so instead, the winners that, that we do have to choose from, this year James and I selected Harley Quinn and her sandwich from Birds of Prey. Uh, we also have Morticia and Gomez Adams. We have Eddie and Venom from Venom. Oh my God. We have Wade and Vanessa uh, from the first Deadpool. Nope. Definitely not from the second Deadpool. Uh, Tony and Pepper, I think that was from Iron Man 2. Um, pro- probably, and, and the first Avengers, actually, which I think we covered in the same year. And then mm-hmm. Bob and Helen Parr from The Incredibles won in our first year. What a category! <laughs> <laughs> but I'm hoping I, I'm hoping we can, uh, and my argument that the best couple ever is um, is Steve and Peggy that we that we just every year overlooked because apparently someone was better. So, but I, I'm looking at so it. Listen, Joe, we don't we don't give awards on this on this episode to to things that haven't been haven't won this award in the past. We haven't <laughs> done that. We've done that twice. <laughs> 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 Joe, your your sign was breaking up a little bit here. It sounded like you didn't say Stephen Bucky. Um, <laughs> um, I think you mean Stephen Sam. I don't know what. This, uh, <laughs> you mean Stephen Asian Thirteen? <laughs> oh my god! No, it's got, it's got me between two characters. <laughs> I I am I am disqualifying Wade and Vanessa on the basis that Deadpool two yep. pissed me off so much. Yep. I'm taking it out on Deadpool one. Because of what they did in Deadpool 2, which has just really ticked me off. So, so can I can I very quickly disqualify Bob and Helen Parr on the um, on the basis that Helen has more chemistry with Catherine Keener's character in The Incredibles <laughs> 2 than she ever does with Bob. So isn't that a modern marriage? Isn't that, that's, that's, there's a truthfulness there, right? That gets to the core relationship that they have. The only, the only couple out of that entire list that would ever make me hashtag a tweet couple goals is... Absolutely, Gomez and Morticia. Yes, like I'm, are, I'm fully there with that. Yeah. They are absolutely yeah. just bananas for each other, and mm-hmm. there's no context really. Enthusiastically but... and vocally, and like unwaveringly, they are into each <laughs> other, and that is that is to be respected and possibly feared. 
<laughs> and and the, the only competition that I can actually see is Tony and Pepper, and they, they kind of split up for contractual reasons <laughs> <laughs> before reuniting. So, does, I mean, does, does anyone disagree with Morticia and Gomez? He did. Yeah, and yes, it is, it is done now. So, Morticia and Gomez, any, any dissent there? Nope. I just feel like we should give a shout out to the unnominated un- couples, including, of course, Clark and Lois, which I feel like would <laughs> normally be considered in the category like this. And then... Yeah. Um, I don't know how that didn't win in year one. Apparently that's yeah. when we gave it to The Incredibles. Um, and then Peter Parker and Mary Jane, particularly the Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst version, I, I really love. I'm on board with that, but Seb, Seb and James were always anti, yeah. anti-Kiki oh. on this podcast. Look, everyone can be wrong sometimes, so. <laughs> if we're just giving it to I, random things with... that never got nominated, then uh, Scott and Ramona as well. Mm. Yeah, I think Scott, that was... Scott that... and Ramona didn't win, but they were definitely in the list. And I think probably the way the way that that movie fudges the the kind of the resolution of the characters is is maybe yeah. an argument against that we made at the time, or <laughs> I made at the time. Right film that backs away from doing a satisfying <laughs> emotional resolution. Romantic <laughs> situation. Edgar Wright, woman. Oh. <laughs> um, okay, so the best couple goes to uh, Morticia and Gomez Adams. Um, Let's go to another one of the big awards now, and we'll go for Best Supporting Actress. Um, now, for this year, purely on the basis that James hadn't seen Josie and the Pussycats and couldn't vote for Tara Reid, <laughs> we went for Jennifer Connelly from Hulk as a movie that we, we had both seen. So um, The nominees from... <laughs> Carla is not happy. <laughs> Carla no. is furious. <laughs> You're a bird of prey, and you went with Jennifer Connelly and the Hulk? Well, no, he, no, 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 no. Yeah, we we yeah. The, 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 there was a split split vote for Birds of Play, so we we just and, and again, Caroline, we felt when there was any conflict, it was easier just to write off the winner from this year completely. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so in previous years, the winners have been Christina Ricci for Adam's Family uh, and Adam's Family Values, uh, Lissisha Wright for Black Panther, Scarlett Hansen for The First Avengers, Tilda Swinton for Dot Strange, and Chloe Moretz for Kick Ass. Um, Famously, a really, a really difficult category every year because mm. superhero movies for a long time just didn't have many real good female supporting roles. It would be, you know, you'd have your female lead who's the love interest, and then after that, well, I don't know. Um, I, I don't want to vote for a lot of people in this category on the basis of a lot of different stuff. <laughs> Their actual like, real life. Sh- <laughs> yeah. So, we, so like, we've got Letitia. Letitia. <laughs> Letitia Wright has come out as an empty Yeah, so she's she's had a fall from grace recently. I don't as much as as much as she was good as in Doctor Strange, the whole whether yeah. she should have been cast in the first place is the whole thing holding me back from Tilda Swinton. Yeah, we had oh, that argument at the time, I think. Yeah. What what were some of the other people nominated? I think Chloe Grace Moretz. I will stomp for Chloe. I mean that is a star making yeah. uh, performance, right? Like she she has a career from that one movie. It was kind of a, you know, a bit of a poison chalice role in, 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 in other people's hands. And she's made a career basically off of that. I mean, that's, and she's, and she's fun in it and it's, and it's movie has its faults, but like, she's not one of them. And uh, yeah, I, I'd go for her. Mike, yep. you, ge- you gestured to camera there in a way that said you either really agree or really disagree. <laughs> I will please I, be I, agree. I don't think I can stand by and let Kick-Ass win in a category where there's <laughs> a family nomination. 
<laughs> Christina Ricci, you talk about star making performance. You know that yeah. they, they didn't. That is a anything, fair point. Ricci, you know, I know, but I'll just take the. I'll be the. I'll be the nerd in the Zoom and say, <laughs> I just feel like <laughs> I just don't think we can give two of these awards to to Adam's family movies. That you know they're not. Uh, I just feel like I know it's it is a comic book, yes, but don't you feel like we should? Uh, it was a comic strip. Hang on. So in, in preference, you're going to go with Kick-Ass. Is it going to... You can see if it was like, well, um, <laughs> Spider-Verse, of course. We, yeah, sure, fine. Kick-Ass. Well, serious. to go back to actors who maybe I don't love in, like, their real-life persona, but I really appreciate their on-screen work, I would stump for ScarJo as Black yeah. Widow. I think that's a real, like, that character has maybe never gotten her due on the script, maybe apart from the first Avengers, but I think... Scarlett Johansson has brought mm. like a huge consistent through line across all of the films. And I think it's that like, that's a character that I feel like I can personally really track the arc she's gone on, even if the films have maybe lost track of it at times. And I think a lot mm. of that is due to her performance. Um, so yeah, I would, I would, I would stump for her in this category. And that nomination is specifically for the Avengers. Her supporting roles. Yeah. Well, for, for, well, for her supporting role in the Avengers. And I think the, I think the scene that she has with Loki in the, in the, in the glass prison is, I, I think that's her best scene in the MCU. And well, um, her best scene is when she tearfully takes a bite of a peanut butter sandwich in Avengers <laughs> Endgame, which I do think is <laughs> great. She's allergic. <laughs> <laughs> it's my, my meta narrative. <laughs> but there's there's also the sequence in the Avengers, obviously with Hulk uh, when 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 you know he hulks out on the helicopter, mm-hmm. and I just think that that's kind of the when when people talk about strong female characters and and don't really know what what they mean in a positive way, I think that's the that's the epitome of that where she is like completely fucking incredible as a superhero in that sequence with with no powers but is is also showing you know kind of emotional vulnerability that male characters are allowed to show um and that the the female ones tend to shy away from because it's like no you ha- you have to be the strong female character archetype rather than rather than yet yeah, this person would be fucking terrified of being on a helicarrier with a Hulk because she's a human being. <laughs> yeah. She's about to get chased by a Hulk through a helicarrier. Um, I, that, she, she would be my choice. Um, but I, I, I see the arguments for, uh, for Ricci and Moretz. I'm changing my vote. I vote for Scar Joe. I've been convinced. <laughs> I'm changing my vote! I don't want to sound like I'm in the pocket of Big Adam's family here, but I stand for it on every category so far. Um, but... That Sodden film money is coming in fast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's just, if he promised me that if I just fought for it in every category, he'd bring back uh, another season of uh, Series of Unfortunate Events. So. Um, <laughs> what the the scene in for me for with Richie it all comes down to the scene in Anne's family values where um she has to pretend to have undergone this road to Damascus experience mm-hmm. and as the camera moves slowly in on her face and she she smiles and the smile creeps slowly <laughs> across her face and the whole of the rest of her face is on full red alert panic mode. The, the eyebrows are going up and down. The eyes are, are just like, what's going on here? She's just hating every second of it. And the terror 
that is in her face everywhere except for her mouth. I mean, she would have, she should have won an Oscar for that. For that specific <laughs> five seconds. I mean, oh, damn, I'm changing my mind. I'm changing my mind again! <laughs> oh! <laughs> right, who do, who do oh, we gosh. not know where they're going? I'm on, what, what was your vote for? <sighs> I didn't really have a vote, but you guys are really going to try and make me vote for Scarlett Johansson, aren't you? No, I mean, uh, if you if you if you don't feel passionately, you can just sit back and let everyone else decide. <laughs> no, no, no! I will make my voice count. Um, <laughs> oh, to suppression, Joey! Vote to suppression. Stop the count. <laughs> Honestly, I was going to agree with Reese, and then he went and changed his vote <laughs> twice. <laughs> So, you know, if we're talking about performance um, alone, then, you know, you made a very good argument for Scarlett Johansson. She's very good in that movie. Um, and I think a lot about the scenes which, uh, which stand out for me in that movie, and a lot of them have to do with Scarlett Johansson, not only the scene with Loki, but even her introductory scene, I think is very, very good. Um, and she gets a lot of really great character work uh, in that movie, especially, I don't think, um, at least until sort of Endgame, we sort of see um, that amount of attention paid to Natasha again. Obviously, we're going to get a whole load of that in Black Widow whenever we finally get to see the movie. Um, but I would say she's only got one other envy, and that is the Winter Soldier. Um, Avengers is a close second. So I'm going to vote for Scarlet Tree Johansson. Okay, so the way that I, I, I think we've got three votes for ScarJo, and if Reese switched on to Christina Ricci... No, my, I changed my vote again. It's Jennifer Connelly's get what it's got. I'm going to let James... James is now the deciding vote. Uh, no. Are you going, are you going Ricci or ScarJo? I've been I've been agonizing over this silently in the background. <laughs> I I agree I agree with Al. I think Christina Ricci is phenomenal in that movie. What it comes down to for me is that I think if you tried to take Scarjo out of Avengers specifically, the whole film would just come unstitched. Like she needs to be in there for that film to work. Um and I it's... think there, there's a potential version of Adam's Family Value where Christina Ricci isn't in it, and the film still works. Well, I mean, she she kind of is just in her own side of it anyway. She's, yeah, exactly. She, she's exactly. Just, it's a film with two plots. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I love I love her performance and I love her story. On a technicality, in, she's, in that the, film, she's the lead but, actress in her plot, right? But, so yeah. cat- category fraud, fraud. We're we're disqualifying Christina Ricci. Scarlett Johansson is the winner. And we move on because otherwise we're going to be here all night. Um, <laughs> right. We're going to move on to one of my favorite awards now. Now, I don't know whether this is going to be fast because one of the winners, the award is literally named after. Hmm. This is the Howard T. Duck Award for Best Worst Movie. Um, <laughs> so uh, this year I, um, I was reliably informed by James that the winner should be Bloodshot. So Bloodshot was the winner this year. Uh, James was furious last year when we gave this award to Alita. Alita was the winner last year. Absolute. (laughs) (laughs) And then the the previous winners before that were Venom, um, the Tim Story Fantastic Four, the Punisher, um, that's the Tom Jane Punisher, 
and Howard the Duck. So the, 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 the spirit of this category is, you know it's kind of bad when you're watching it, but you can't help but enjoy it as you're watching. That disqualifies Venom. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> no enjoyment there. Like, uh, well, no, there was some enjoyment when you know, Tom Hardy ravenously eats whatever's in. Is it a fish? I don't but know. he goes and loves the thing, yeah. yeah. Five yeah. out of five um, for the moment. That's yeah. it. We're that, that, that was the high point of the movie. Um, what were some of the nominees again, sorry? Fantastic Four, The Punisher, Howard the Duck, Alita, Bloodshot. Ooh. We can just cross Alita off this list. That is a good movie. That's a legit good movie. <laughs> Anyone votes for that, you get cut. <laughs> I'm going to go with the puncher. Uh, I still actually have time. There are some really great scenes in that movie. When he comes against the assassins, it's really, really fun. Like, you know, bringing a knife to a gunfight, his fight with the Russian, uh, all of that stuff is great. Uh, John Travolta is hamming it up. Uh, that has uh, that comes with its fair share of fun moments, and I like his. I like uh, Tom, Thomas Jane's in, interpretation of the character. I would have liked to have seen him get another full length crack at it. Obviously, he had that, that ten minutes. You're making it sound through. too good. You're making it sound too good for this award. That's the problem. I think the I think the punish is a little bit too good. Uh, I think Alita was a little bit too good um, to be the definitive. I mean, the, right, Howard the Duck is a fucking travesty of a movie. It is so bad in so many ways. But, my God, if your eyes are not glued to the screen for every (laughs) horrifying moment of that film. The Howard T. Duck Award has to go to Howard T. Duck. And I I welcome someone to argue otherwise. (laughs) I think think the only film that's in with even a hint of a shout of this is Venom. Because Venom has the same thing, where it's just, it's batshit for many reasons and the performances are just confusing if anything the problem though is it takes a long time to get to that point yeah that's the problem there's a solid hour of absolutely (laughs) hee-haw happening and then after that it's you know it's nuts yeah i think i think that's the reason why venom works for me more than it works for anyone else though is that i prefer the first hour because i'm like what's happening here what is, what is this movie? It's just, it's just Tom Hardy being weird. And then the Venom stuff is great, but like, I've already had so much fun by it with how incompetent that first hour is. Yeah, that, my, my brain is broken when it comes to Venom. I have to say, having rewatched it recently... Why? Um, well, no, not no, I was, there was a second after that sentence. There's a, there's a comma, and I'm introducing a second clause. <laughs> Having rewatched it recently, comma Tim Story's Fantastic Force better than I remembered it being. Chris Evans and Michael Chiklis really carry a lot of that film between the two of them. And when, when we rewatched it for the podcast, that was the conclusion we came to: is oh, actually, this was a lot better than people remember. Which discounts it from winning this category, right? Because it's absolutely. too good. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Like Venom, I said, yeah. we've got a vote between Venom and Howard the Duck as far as Venom, I'm concerned. I haven't seen Howard the Duck, but Venom was like maybe the worst film I saw that year. Yeah. It was ter- <laughs> it was so awful. And even in, even in conception, how does that movie even exist? But I kind of loved like every second of it. So, I, you know, I, I, in the spirit of, the, of what I understand this award to be, for me, Venom so was... So that's a vote for Venom. 
within the first within the first five minutes of Howard the Duck, Howard falls through a bathroom and you see a topless female duck, and s- someone at Lucasfilm thought that was a good idea. But what is <laughs> Point. Howard the Duck. His name is in the is in the award. So in a way, yeah. he's already won. So you could say the Howard T. Award for Venom because then Howard, Howard the Duck also wins and Venom wins. They both win. He's he, the okay, award. So I think this is. I think this, it's time for everyone to vote. Listen, is, I'm I'm Duck Duck Duck. This is this is what I swung the this, this this is what I swung the vote for me. I just remembered that the best thing about Venom is the end credits. Because we get an Eminem song, people. That's it. Yeah, I'm very Venom. That's why. Also, let me remind you, the Venom sequel, the Venom sequel is not called Venom 2 colon Carnage or Venom 2 uh, colon um, Infinite Carnage. The, the Venom sequel is Venom, let there be Carnage. Which is so stupid. That's so dumb. Yeah, I expect it to win the award when it comes out. But... <laughs> Caroline, if we're, if we're able to just go for um, films that have got rap tracks in them as being the biggest <laughs> selling point for that film, then um, and I, I have seen that we're allowed to do this and go completely off piece from the list. I'm going for 1990s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> too good, too, too good. good. Yeah, way too good. And I'm going for 1994's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three. Yeah, That's exactly. <laughs> Bella. I'm I'm in a I'm in a jam because I also haven't seen Howard the Duck, but I will say, you know, on the podcast feed, a lot of times when there's one I have when I haven't seen the movie, I'm like, okay, I'll wait to listen to that episode until I see the movie. With Howard the Duck, I immediately listen to your episode on it without <laughs> having seen the movie. So to me, that implies that it should win this category because I wanted to consume it as an object beyond being mm. a film that I wanted to see. So even having not seen it, I'm inclined to agree with Joe that the the category is named after this movie. Therefore, the movie should win the category. Okay, Mike. Yeah, this is not the Eddie B. Rock Award. This is the Howard <laughs> C. Duck Award. I'm glad you had that joke in your pocket. <laughs> That's That's how it is. Is. It's, it's, it's Howard patient. Well. He waited for his moment and he's struck. Yeah. <laughs> it's Howard for me as well. So I okay. think Howard's got it. Yeah. Howard has carried it. Excellent. Okay, um, let's go to um, best costume. So uh, this is traditionally the we sit back and let James decide award because he has very strong opinions about this. <laughs> we, we, I say that we do tend to let him decide after we disqualify whatever specific mark of the Iron Man or War Machine costume he has nominated <laughs> that year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, based on an excellent tweet from Caroline a couple of days ago, we went for Birds of Prey, uh, pr- predominantly Harley <laughs> Quinn, but you could probably, you know give it for any any number of characters in that movie for best costume this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Last year, we went for Mysterio in Spider-Man Far From Home. The year before that, we went for Miles Morales in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, Hela in Thor Ragnarok. Deadpool in the first Deadpool. And Spider-Man, which I think is <laughs> Raimi, the first Raimi Spider-Man. It so is, yeah. Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Uh, mm-hmm. Which, which I have always been very pro the uh, the kind of the, the textured bumpiness of that costume, um, but I know it was category honest. again. That's what, an interesting what, category. What, there's a load of I, shit in here, and none of the big costumes. <laughs> 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 what is wrong with you guys? <laughs> what, what, Hella, what? Hella, 
What? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what happened. The hell a costume is basically, it's wandered in from the best hat category. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's next. That's next answer. <laughs> we'll to, to me, it's between Mysterio and Spider-Man. I just love that Mysterio, that that can exist and nobody bats an eye, that the MCU has gotten to the level where we can now have a character and a costume like that and I was like, yep, doesn't look good for you at all. Um, that's, that's great, and that's cool. So that is on my shortlist. In Spider-Verse, I just love the creation of that costume. And it's come, it's come in that iconic montage, which I will never not, which I will never get touching. Um, and I just love how that costume is created, the storytelling to, to lead up to that point, um, and how... It's how many had the Spider-Man Miles Morales thing. The film and that costume was so iconic that they made that costume available to anybody who plays the game from basically the beginning. It's made its way into this game now. Um, in, fairness, the, in fairness, in fairness, I think a lot of costumes have made their way into those games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, but. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, do, the, I know what you know, mean. The selling point of the entire game. I mean, you, you saw so many videos, you know, before the game was coming out, once the game is coming out, of people just uh, reenacting what's up danger, what the Spider-Verse costume in the Spider-Man game, because the costume is so cool, because that moment is so cool. Um, so it'll be, it'll be between those two for me. I think you have to, disqu- controversial, you have to disqualify, you ought to disqualify the Spider-Verse costume because... It's because in a category with the Raimi Spider-Man costume, like it, it, they're both sort of riffs on the, you know, the, like the Ditko, like basically the best superhero outfit that, that you know, ever, which is the, the original Ditko Spider-Man. And I kind of think in a category with those two, if you're going to give it to a Spider-Man costume, it has to be that first one. Although I, although I'd probably pick, maybe I'd pick the Deadpool costume. I think, I think there's an argument to be made for that. Even Deadpool yeah. was up for it, but it didn't, I don't know. It didn't. It doesn't edge out the others. Problem. Well, I think the Raimi, the Raimi Spider-Man costume's problem is Spider-Man is supposed to be a teenager who has made this costume himself, and it looks like <laughs> something that's just stepped <laughs> off the stage of follies. <laughs> yeah, where the hell does that silver stuff even come from? Exactly. What <laughs> Some have you like cut industrial manufacturer. <laughs> To be fair, it was his second draft, you know? Yeah, right? Get better. It really, it really showed improvement. Uh, the problem I have with the Raimi Spider-Man costume, right, is that the one thing in Amazing Spider-Man 2 that is good is the costume, which yeah. is the most accurate version of the Spider-Man outfit that has ever been put on screen. Mm-hmm. And Jamie Foxx, as we, as we all see. <laughs> That's the other thing. I just, I feel like the, the argument I always make on this is I don't care about accuracy. I just care if it, if it looks good in the context of the movie. <laughs> I love that. I love, I love that first Maguire costume, but I also don't really care about this category because like when, you know, like when, when costumes get redesigned for the sequel and, um, and someone's like, oh yeah, we did this and we did that and we did that. And I'm like, Oh, that's amazing. I didn't notice that it had changed. <laughs> <laughs> that's just me being as, as thick as I am with the scores. But afterwards, when I when I kind of when it gets pointed out to me, I'm like, great. Yeah. I think I'm totally right. I think yeah, it's got to be Birds of Prey because Birds of Prey has a 
aesthetic of its own, which it is not beholden to a comic for. Mm. The difficulty with saying what's well, the, the most accurate version of the, the, the best Spider-Man costume. Firstly, it doesn't even have a blue hoodie with the sleeves ripped off, so it can't be the, the best Spider-Man <laughs> costume. But um, <laughs> it's... It's too um, in hoc to the comics, and mm-hmm. uh, you, know, you, you know me. I like comics are amazing, and comic a comic is a comic, and a film is a film. And Birds of Prey is so designed and has such a phenomenal aesthetic. Like every cell of that movie is gorgeous to look at and the the costume design is meticulous when you look at you break down the components of particularly mm-hmm. somebody like harley's costume it's absolutely wonderful i really really think it's something where the amount of effort that's gone into giving it its own look particularly given that that version of harley is essentially an evolution of the awful Suicide Squad mm. version of Harley, yeah. which in itself is an evolution of the awful Arkham Games version of Harley. <laughs> and you know, f- when she went from being a clown to being like an evil juggalo, and the the fact that they managed to take that costume and make something which is very much harley's own thing rather than somebody else's imposition on of what they think harley should be wearing and it's a cliche to say it but like it's it's very obvious the difference when you have women producing the film rather than dudes producing the film yeah and i think i think caroline you tweeted about this didn't you the Mm -hmm. the adaptability of harley's costume that it's kind of like it is essentially one piece that she either adds to or takes away from throughout the movie and has like four or five distinct styles in that film from from one starting point. Yeah, I think, so I think the thing is, it depends on how we're looking at this category. I think if it's like best overall costumes for a film, for me, it would definitely be Birds of Prey. But if we're trying to highlight like one specific hero outfit, do you know what I mean? I feel like Birds of Prey is so fun within the world it's creating, but it is sort of like, she's putting on and taking off pieces throughout. And so that does make it slightly less iconic to me than something like a Peter Parker outfit or a Miles Morales. So if we're going like, you know, Oscar best costumes for me, that would definitely be Birds of Prey. But if we're taking this in a different direction, then I would almost lean more towards the Spider-Man direction. One of the Spider-Men. Which one though? I would probably go Raimi because I think that was like in the world where we had just had X-Men and there was a there was a brief thought that we will just not have Good costumes point. anymore to go that bold with the costume even if it's maybe in retrospect not the most original sort of like you know it set the trend and I think what would become an important way mm-hmm. right do we need to put this to a vote I think it's time yeah. Right, so who has Miles Morales? Damn, one, guys! One vote from Amon for Miles Morales. Who has uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man? Mm, yeah. We have three votes for that. And then who has Birds of Prey? Harley Quinn. Deadpool, I vote for Deadpool. And Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, did, did, did Tobey Maguire win? Yep. Tobey no, Maguire I think it was a... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Just. Just. I mean, I love it. <laughs> Natural web shooters and, and everything. Okay. Uh... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Um, <laughs> Caroline, I just want to give you a quick spotlight here. Every year we choose a best TV show. And I'll be honest, we're just kind of like, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's just, you know, a shot in the dark based on what we might have happened to have watched. And I would argue actually probably looking back, the superhero TV that I have watched in the past five years hasn't actually been what people have held up as like the best of it. So uh, what I would like, if you could, if you could just throw out as someone who covers a lot of superhero TV, the highlights as far as you're concerned, and then we can see if anyone else has anything that they think is a, a worthy challenger. Yeah, well, for this year in particular, I would say two highlights for me were the second season of The Umbrella Academy, which I thought was a huge improvement on the first and like really fun to watch a show evolve in that way and lean into what works and sort of like drop what doesn't. And then I also think the Stargirl TV show is just like super sweet, endearing, lovely superhero TV at its best, like really like a welcome sort of new tone for the genre. So those were two like, favorites overall i'm also a big supergirl fan i mean i'm really just naming the things i get paid to cover because there really is a limit to how much how many things i can watch beyond that but um yeah so i think the supergirl tv show i love um and i really love daredevil the charlie cox daredevil yes Yes. those are like oh and you know what actually the punisher which i never in a million years would thought would have been Mm -hmm. for me but was just Mm -hmm. like so invested in and then from, I don't know. Are you wanting us to go all? The, I mean, you, I guess it doesn't really. There's no time limit. Like I used to like Smallville back in the day. Like that was. It has to be from the the <laughs> lifetime of the show. I think. Okay. <laughs> you think that Smallville and Scrubs had the wrong theme tunes, and they should have swapped. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. For the listeners, for the, for the listeners who don't know the benefit of our of our camera, Al kept that completely deadpan the entire time. <laughs> but yeah, Al, no, Al, you I'm watch not, a lot of superhero TV, right? I, well, to the extent that I can, I, I would really want to echo the nomination of Stargirl. I think Stargirl is a great show. I think it's got such a good tone, and it's so refreshing to see. Uh, Particularly in a in a world where you know, the Flash, I used to really love the Flash show, and then it just became this kind of melodramatic. Yep. If, if everything was, it was like watching Neighbors. Everything was just way blown out of of all um, normal proportion. Um, and Stargirl having a much more upbeat approach and a much more um, just a much more brightly lit aesthetic is great um other thing my my number one probably would still be legends of tomorrow which is the funnest of any superhero show that see 
I fell out a long time. I fell out of love with Legends of Tomorrow because I get that there's elements of fun, but there's got to be some element of actual seriousness there as well. And it felt like they were taking too many liberties with that. It felt like too too much was a joke. And so I sort of fell out of love with Legends a little bit. But I completely third your the, the, the Stargirl discourse. I really, really like that show. I still think that in the initial episodes, the way in which people were being selected to take on certain mantles was far too rushed. And I didn't like that at all. Um, but by the end of the season, they had grown into their role somewhat. And just the likability of the show was really, really good. I also, even though it, you know, goes beyond my, you know, I, I have a cheese tolerance and sometimes Supergirl takes it to another level. Um, but that being said, I love that a show like Supergirl exists, especially when you have people uh, in Warner Brothers who are claiming that, you know, they don't know how to bring a Superman movie to life in 2020. I mean, it's just just too hard, guys. What do we do? Whereas the tenets of Superman are embodied by shows yeah. like Supergirl, are embodied by um, things like Crisis, which had Brandon Routh reprising his role and showing you how to do Superman in the modern age. It can be done. It should be done. If there's any time in modern history right now that we need a Superman movie, it's right the hell now. Give me a Superman movie, please. You said the tenets of Superman. All I can think then was like a tenet, a tenet with Superman in it. Sorry. Oh, gosh. That's when he flies backwards around the earth in the first film. Can I, Joey, can I posit that we give this award to... Uh, this just the CW, the CW verse, the Arrowverse in general. Having said that, mm. can I? I just uh, having. I mean, I love those shows. Or I've dropped off a bit, like some of the other panelists, but I love those shows. Um, mm. But I, I, I really enjoyed the boys this year. I watched both. I watched the first season yes. this year of the boys, and I, fa- I found that a, a quite a, just a you know, it's, it's not, it's not, a, it's not an amazing show, but a, quite a nice uh, or quite a sort of holds a distinct position of being counter to some of the other to, to, to some of the other superhero TV shows and movies and I've, I've enjoyed that so I'd like to just I'll just throw the boys in as a the show that I, the show that killed the tick <laughs> <laughs> I really like the boys too I really like how it interrogates um, its ideas um, it's really really interesting I remember that the, the line which sticks out to me I can't remember it verbatim but the line which sticks out to me about season two is when, like, they're saying uh, with the new character Stormfront, she's obviously you know very racist and she has a lot of rhetoric to that effect. But she says something like, "They like what we're saying; they just don't like it when we say we're Nazis," which is mm-hmm. so one hundred percent right um, for today's world. And it really is like you know these guys get it, and you have to if you're talking about the stuff that they're talking about and the way that they're talking about it, you have to really understand it and get it. Um, even though there are people who are, going, who are going to take the wrong message from what you're talking about because people are idiots. Um, but yeah, you really have to 
understand it the right way. And I don't think the, you know, I know for sure because I've had interviews that she, the, the, the character playing Stormfront, she would not have signed on to the role if she didn't, if she wasn't fully confident that these guys, you know, weren't going to treat her character and treat her irresponsibly. And they didn't. And, you know, in, yeah, I, I really, so the, the second season really, really was great. And I appreciate what they're doing with Homelander as well. Uh, he's probably, of all, it's really fun. It's yeah. so good. And like, mm. he, like, there's not many characters that I, you know, generally sort of make my skin crawl. And actually, when then, like, I feel afraid for the other dudes, mm. Homelander is that dude. Um, and that's, you know, not, not only a mark of a great performance, but a really great character work as well. So, yes, seconded on the boys. I might, that might be my vote, the boys. Oh, shit. Hey, I, oh, wish. shit. I know that also. To... <laughs> oh, good. Sorry to go on, oh, Well, I, I know that this is the show that is not allowed to be spoken on this podcast, I but I did finally catch up thing. with uh, with Watchmen, and it was <laughs> as excellent as everyone says, and yeah. similarly to what it sounds like The Boys is, and probably even more so, like super thoughtful and how it was sort of... <laughs> oh, God, that was this picture. That's, 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 the, uh, that's the last five years, right? Oh, Watchmen. Yeah, my vote. Sorry, I just literally... Because <laughs> that's... I view that as, like, as actual, like, proper TV, not superhero right, bullshit. Right. Oh, Watchmen. Watchmen. <laughs> no. Oh, God, sorry. Sorry, sorry. Of course, of course. Absolutely. You know what? I'm just going to... I'm just going to make sure... Just to, just to drag us back onto, <laughs> onto the actual award here. So it's going to be Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? Yeah. <laughs> well, most of these shows didn't get nominated. So my question is, how do we, how do we pick the best? Yeah, we've never, we've never gone No one can possibly have seen so anything. Like, well, it's, does, between, it's between the boys and Stargirl. What I was going to say is, why don't we just get everyone's quick feeling on what their best is, and we'll leave it at that rather than pick an overall winner. Because we can't possibly have all seen everything. Howard! <laughs> Well, I, I, um, <laughs> my, my answer would be the show that must not be named, but I, you know, um, you can say it just because it's Christmas. You can say it this week. <laughs> so generous, James. Oh, I'm in love, actually. Now I could not, in all good <laughs> conscience, vote for that show. Though, like, it would feel like an insult to Seb's memory to vote for <laughs> to vote for Watchmen on this podcast. So. Um, I think the first season of The Flash is the is the most I've enjoyed a superhero show. So that would be that would be my vote. Okay, mine is Daredevil, Netflix Daredevil, because it, it nailed the character. And as a Daredevil nerd, I just got so much joy, even out of the increasingly worse appearances of the character. I just I enjoyed Charlie Cox in the role so much. I, you know what, I'm going to change my vote again then, because if we included Daredevil, then that might have to be my vote too. And I, you know, I, there, there are a lot of shows, you know, you know they, they cancelled the, the Netflix Marvel verse. And there, there was something like, you know, Iron Fist, like, you know, fine, don't care. Jessica Jones, okay, that's a bit of a bummer. I thought the second season was pretty good. I really liked the first season. You know, okay. Luke Cage, uh, I really wanted to see where they're going. Daredevil, like, I was so, like, the, the third season was so good. I was like, there's yeah. no way they're casting Daredevil. I'm like, oh. That's okay. exciting. Because Caroline. I was ready 
Sorry, I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> James just cut me off. Savage. Yeah. We spend a lot of time on TV shows. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go. I think Supergirl has its ups and downs, but at its best is like everything that a superhero show should be. So I'm gonna go with that one. Yeah, I really love Supergirl too. Reese, R- Reese, can I can I just vote for the Arrowverse, or do I have to be more specific? No, you can vote for the Arrowverse. That's fine. The Arrowverse. Yeah, fine. fine. You just want to move on? Mike, 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 you've stayed very quiet on this category. Do you watch much superhero TV? Oh, come on. (laughs) I don't know. TV's my kryptonite. I don't watch anything. (laughs) So Mike, I'm staying. I'm staying. Al, what do you have? It's very difficult. Legends was my first thought, but then I think in terms of actually shows that um, are no longer right, I want to kind of memorialise something. And you mentioned The Tick, and The Tick was so good. Series 2 in particular was so good. But in terms of shows that are no longer around that I wish were still around, um, Agent Carter. Oh, Yes! Yeah. Oh, man. I'm going to pull a reese. I've changed my vote. Agent Carter is the only show with two votes. Agent Carter wins, and we move on. Watch it! (laughs) And everyone has two votes. Does it? Oh, shit. Uh, they both win. Carry on. Um, <laughs> <Next>. lightning. <laughs> right. Um, let's let's speed round this next one because really, I'm gonna get. How many more? How many more categories are there, Jerry? Can like, I just ask? Like six. Are um, you serious? If anyone, oh, if anyone, if anyone, if anyone needs to, leave, if anyone needs to leave, that is fine. Um, you know, if anyone gets too drunk, and I'm including just myself here, that's also fine. Um, best casting. So this is just you know like who. Who cast their movies the best? We had Birds of Prey for this year, Guardians of the Galaxy, Black Panther, The Tick, the first, uh, Captain America, The First Avenger, and Scott Pilgrim as the previous winners. Uh, Mike, given, given that you have yep. no opinions on superhero TV, I want to come to you first here. <laughs> who, do you, oh. who do you think... What, which, which superhero movie do you think is particularly well cast? And we tend to go to like first installments here, given that obviously sequels are... It's it's normally a case of like getting one or two bits of casting right. Yeah, I think this is Black Panther knocking out the park. Every role is perfect, and you know, I mean, to the point where you know we can talk about other films here, Guardians of the Galaxy, Captain America: First Avenger, where the characters and the performances grow over time. Everybody's perfect straight away in Black Panther. Yeah, and I I would wonder whether the counterpoint to that like or to you know to ask this question about all of these other movies if the lead actor was removed from any of these other movies you know for instance could you make a scott pilgrim sequel that doesn't have michael Sarah in it could you make yes. the, the tick without griffin newman could you make black panther well sorry black panther is the example guardians of the galaxy could you make without chris pratt yes <laughs> Al crossing his fingers there, and uh, <laughs> and could you make Birds of Prey without Margot Robbie? You could make a Birds of Prey movie without Margot Robbie. I think you just you couldn't. You couldn't make that movie. Yes, but, yeah. but what I'm talking about could you could you continue that franchise without without that lead actor? And I think I think the the why Black Panther is is for me is the choice as well is that it is if you'd have if you'd have said this to me before Chadwick Boseman passed I would have gone it's kind of unimaginable to think how you could possibly do that movie without him 
But then when you are forced with no other option, I kind of feel like you go, well, you, you can't, you definitely can't recast him. And, but also there isn't a weak link in the rest of that cast that makes me go, I wouldn't want to see that movie. And so I have watched and listened from the mountains. The fact that that movie has Daniel Kaluuya like 10th on the call sheet. Yeah. yeah. It's and a still, sensational cast. And he still manages to leave an impression. Those eyes, man, that stare. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. The thing about Black Panther is that it gives you your six favourite actors for the next two, three years. And you'll yeah, be watching, yeah. I mean, even Letitia Wright when she's in Small Axe, who's fantastic, in Mangrove. Yeah. Um, you're following them in every choice they make afterwards. Guys of the Galaxy, really great cast, but I wasn't really you yeah, know, I guess up with, to watch Jurassic World 2 or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> with Guardians, what it gave us was the realisation that Dave Bautista is an incredibly talented comedic actor. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Beyond that, I mean, Michael Rooker just comes on and rooks about the place in his normal <laughs> fashion. Rooker gonna rook. <laughs> I do think, and I'll always stick up for this, but Bradley Cooper's performance as Rocket is doesn't yeah. get enough love. It's incredible. Yeah, but casting-wise, you know, oh, 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 what a great idea. Let's cast Bradley Cooper in a role. Like, at that point when he was cast, he's Bradley Cooper, you know? Whereas, yeah. <laughs> compared to Black Panther, a lot of those guys have way smaller um, profiles, which makes the, the casting and the fact that you've made stars of a lot of those people. Uh, yeah, I think the people who are the elder states people in that cast are just... I mean, they are incredible actors with long careers behind them mm-hmm. of wonderful performances and you go yeah i absolutely believe that people will come and pay fealty to you know angela bassett and people like that you know the only thing that when when the only thing you can say about a film is that it made a lot of uh, black people who i know take the mickey out of forest whitaker's accent <laughs> <laughs> that's, yep. that's the only yep. only bad thing i heard anyone say about the casting in that film. <laughs> yeah i think if if anyone has got any dissent against black panther speak speak now but the i don't think of the black panther <laughs> will be stripped away <laughs> oh, he is so good, isn't he? Yeah, Black Panther. Okay, Black Panther is the winner of uh, Best Casting. Um, let's go to Best Director. And I think we've got a really impressive list here. Ooh. So James and I, I, and when I say James and I, mostly I selected Ang Lee for the Hulk. Uh, in, <laughs> sorry, for Hulk um, this year. Last year we went for Bong Joon Ho for Snowpiercer. The year before that, Ryan Coogler for Black Panther. Patty Jenkins for Wonder Woman, Sam Raimi for Spider-Man 2, and Edgar Wright for Scott Pilgrim. I mean, that's a damn fine list. I mean, that's a really good list. Um, It's Google for me. Um, Because a lot of the, like, uh, maybe Patty Jenkins, maybe apart from Patty Jenkins, but a lot of uh, the rest of the directors on that list, they really, for the most part, only have to be concerned with delivering a really good movie. Ryan Coogler has to, you know, obviously be concerned about that, but he also has to be thinking about the reaction from, like, literally every black person on the planet. He's got to think about the reaction to, uh, from, from all the MCU fans. He's got to be, you know, thinking about the fact that this is, like, the first time that we're going to have a black superhero movie of this scale 
and what does that mean? He's got all these other things on his mind that he has to be thinking about in addition to making an amazing movie. And he pulled it off. It's Glenn Cooley. Yeah, I would agree. For me, I feel like my my top choices would be, especially in this, you know, I love I love Snowpiercer so much, but I feel like if we are thinking, okay, we really want to honor like the full-on superhero movies here, it would definitely be Ryan Coogler, Patty Jenkins, and Sam Raimi would be my my three, but I agree totally that I think Ryan Coogler, in terms of how much of a world he built, like he didn't just give us a movie, he gave mm-hmm. us like an entire world, and that's such an incredibly difficult thing to have pulled off, and, and he does so incredibly well. Yeah, that's the the thing that I remember about Black Panther is that it feels like a like a proper experience. Like it feels almost like you're going on a sort of tour of this completely new world. Um, and like from the design, the characters, just every part of it worked. And I think, you know, it, it all comes back to the director in those cases. Well, okay. Uh, okay, hold on. Controversial. <laughs> I, just wonder, I just wonder whether, especially the MCU at that point, you know, mm-hmm. And Feige and and the previous set up, all that sort of the stuff you hear about with how those movies are made. I just wonder whether whether Kugler, I'm, I'm saying you know we've given him cast, we've given that movie casting, we've given did we give that award to script for Panther or score? Anyway, what I'm saying is I just <laughs> I wonder whether I just wonder you know do we all do we all just 100 percent agree that Ryan Coogler <laughs> and solely Ryan Coogler should should was in complete control of that project from beginning to end. And he then owns every kind of all of the, all of the positives of the film or, or I, know, I just wonder whether those films exactly, are made a bit more, a little I know bit exactly more by... what you're getting at, which is that there are aspects of Black Panther that you would say in the final 20 minutes are not well directed. And I think the assumption that we're making here is that Kugler didn't really direct them. Is that fair? And maybe, well, yes, and maybe probably he, in or, as much also, as anyone in the MCU, any director in the MCU, probably is not hands-on with a lot of the action but stuff. I'd, yeah. yeah, I'd pitch you, Raimi. You know, actually, you said Caroline. Mm-hmm. Raimi, it's Spider-Man Two. I just think that's a that is such a directed film, and mm-hmm. such a that sequences in that film make me like feel ways in the in the way that the filmmaking has been executed. You know, that's you see, I just love. I just love this the way is that movie is made. Really, we, I'm we really excited to see on what Avi Arad was with that stuff as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's not meant to be a that's not meant to be a job. But like for, for no, saying no, that really. Black Panther yeah. is a product partly of the Marvel factory, then the source yeah, that, factory was very much mm. in evidence on that is on that's stuff. a fair point. Mm. Which is that you know mm. we can't necessarily second guess who's done what. We like his name. His name is on the film. Like the director's names are on the films, so, well, so we that's have what to, I mean. I I kind of we feel have to like assume that it's their work. If you assume everything is their own work, I don't think there is a stretch in Spider-Man Two that you would say is as poorly directed as the train mm-hmm. fight sequence, which I kind of think, aside from the fact is boring, isn't isn't like it isn't that easy to follow. Um, We're back to dueling train fights, are we? Yeah, we're back to ju- we're back to dueling train fights. Um, yeah, it's really I, I, it's why I'm looking forward to Black Panther two though because what you do tend to see with Marvel when they retain directors is that the director when they come back the second time around does seem to have much more of a handle yeah. on every aspect. I mean, I, I've I've made this argument before. I think the action in Ant Man and the Wasp is just like impeccably well choreographed, and I think that's because Peyton Reed has his hands on it from 
you know, word go. And I think that's the reason why there is so much insane excess in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is because James Gunn had his hands on it from word go. <laughs> I think this is a tricky one. For me, it is between Raimi and Kugler as well. As well I, I mean, I think Snowpiercer is incredible, but it doesn't feel as appropriate for this category. Mike's yeah. shaking his head at something. No, 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 no. It's a, it's a really tricky one because you have like five of the great visionary directors of the last 20 odd years head to head here. Oh, wait, who are you, um, who are you excluding from that? Because <laughs> we've got oh, six names. Excuse- oh, sorry. I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't say that Angley should be in contention for Hulk. Oh, yeah, uh, James, James described this as most directed when I gave him this nomination. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, not a superhero movie, but James Cameron for Terminator 2. Is, should be this year's pick, surely. But anyway, um, Ryan Coogler... In, in th- brackets next to all of these is awesome and able to. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, elevate, the thing that elevates Ryan Coogler, you have so many of these filmmakers who you can pinpoint elements of their sensibility, well-directed scenes, etc. But Ryan Coogler is the guy that... he he's not a director for hire who gets to pick the soundtrack, have a couple of his favorite actors in. He's bringing in Ludwig Jorgensen, who's been working with since Fruitvale Station, Rachel Morrison on cinematography. There is a whole world he is bringing to this film, as well as stepping up to this, the plate, whatever you want to, however you want to go with this metaphor, (laughs) the big canvas. He's bringing more than just the, a director. Here, so yeah, the, the way that Bong Joon Ho, Edgar Wright, you watch Scott Pilgrim, you watch Snowpiercer, and they are undeniably their films. Spider Man is undeniably Sam Raimi. Ryan Coogler is doing something much larger here and is approaching, I don't want to say auteur status, mm. but there is something here that no one else is doing in their films. Yeah. And actually, the argument would go the fact that he could even get close to a, an auteur on a Marvel movie mm-hmm. is mad. It's kind of mad and, and to be, and to, to be, a, to be applauded. Right? To be yeah. You compare, you compare it with Thor Ragnarok a, where you can that say that Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. You can compare, compare with, compare with Thor Ragnarok where it's just the sort of the dialogue and delivery and the performances. That's what Taika Waititi did. Maybe not the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Dr. Strange can pinpoint a couple of things here and there. Ryan Coogler is this with, with Black, Black Panther is this huge tapestry mm-hmm. of, of filmmaking. Yeah, okay. Anyone want to argue against Mike on that? Well, the, the lone voice for Black Panther. I'm not the lone voice for Black Panther. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, so before we had our, our other big debate was Doc Ock versus Killmonger. We went Doc Ock. It feels like this is our battle point too. It's only fitting to go Black Panther here because mm, yeah. we, we want to award this movie for all the amazing things <laughs> it does. And I think Ryan Coogler is like a, a perfect vessel for that award. We have we have best films still to come. Well, these films have won one each, so we're we're getting down to the best Nickelback song category. (laughs) (laughs) And this (laughs) that's that's a disturbingly good chat, Kruger. Okay, (laughs) so the winner the winner there is Ryan Coogler for Black Panther. We are now going to go to best hero, another one of our made up awards. Um, No. This year, James and I went for Brandon Routh Superman because we didn't have many choices. Um, last year, we went for a split, uh, a split decision for Iron Man and Captain America for Endgame. Um, so we have a we have another character in the mix. Now. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, no, not necessarily because the year before we went for just Captain America, and I think I think that was for Civil War, and I think that was me and James trying to wind Seb up. Uh, <laughs> 
Um, then we had uh, Wonder Woman for Wonder Woman, uh, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, and uh, Christopher Reeve's Superman. Oh, God. Oh, oh wow. wow. That really, like... <laughs> Wait a second. It's not that weird at the end, <laughs> This should be. Good. It's, 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 why did you bother reading the rest of the list? This one for me is going to be really tough. It's going to be really easy. Christopher B. Superman. Next. <laughs> right. Can we make a case against him? I'm just wondering. He fucked it up the first time. He shouldn't have had to. Need, he shouldn't have needed to have to. <laughs> No, so this is specifically the the hero, right? This is who is the best hero. It's not it's not performance, it's not oh, right, yeah. Okay. It's who is who is the best hero here. If that's the case, but it's between Reeves, Superman, and Iron Man in Endgame. Because thinking about how he went out, that's like the, the ultimate sacrifice and yeah. and you know thinking about sort of you know him choosing to make that decision knowing what he's leaving behind knowing sort of what it took to sort of coax him into going along with the mission itself having him be going along with the mission and him being the key to figuring out how to even execute the mission <laughs> in the first place i mean he is key to to that film in many many ways so um yeah Having said that, let's. I think that Seb should get an absentee vote on this award, and Seb will vote Superman, and that his vote would be worth a hundred of the rest yeah. of us. So I think yeah. I think conversation <laughs> over. Yeah, I mean, I I said from the beginning, first of all, Superman. I was just trying to be the devil's advocate and say, you know, I think it has to be Superman. I mean, he is he is what everything still gets compared to. I mean, so when when Wonder Woman came out, I kind of made the case that that was the like there were, there were moments in that film that evoked Christopher Reeve Superman for me mm-hmm. that, that kind of felt like oh this is this is like Urtex storytelling there's no there's no um, postmodern take here this is like this is yeah, what you straight this is, down the line superheroes yeah. this is what you imagine when you think superhero I think Iron Man is like the I, I think is the probably pretty obviously like the defining superhero of this like third era of superheroes um the the post 2008 era which that and the dark knight kicks off um because he's flawed and he's selfish and and yet he still is at times you know like a phenomenal superhero i i kind of love the in end game when we you know when we were making this argument for him that like he's willing to do all of this, but he's willing to do all of that, like on the proviso that it's not going to wipe his daughter from existence. There is that, like that is, that is still kind of more important to him than, than the rest of the stuff. And I think it's probably, I think it's only the fact that he has the, he has his own daughter and the surrogate son in Spider-Man that, that kind of pushes him into making the decision in the first place. Although, although, you know, sorry, Al, you go, you go. Also the MCU Iron Man, and to a lesser extent, MCU Captain America are the only two really that get to do something which is so uncommon for superheroes, and it's to finish their story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know that you yeah. you're never going to even in Superman Returns. It's not to it to be the end of of that Superman version <laughs> of Superman. I mean, <laughs> turned out, but you know, but it's but it's not the the story is not the end of that Superman. 
Whereas Endgame is absolutely definitively the end of a long story, which they made the most of the fact that, I mean, people talk about the, the, the MCU movies as a whole, you can't just watch one of them, you have to watch all of them to get the full things, which is a clear nonsense, but if you do watch them all, you do, it's like one of those kind of flip book things where you like mm-hmm. get to see individual mm-hmm. images. Each film is its own individual piece of a much larger um, plot for characters like Iron Man. And when you get the, the Iron Man from 2008's Iron Man versus the Iron Man from Endgame and you see the amount of development that's happened to that character over you know, eight movies or whatever, and the fact that the story is told and it's done. Mm. And I really admire that. At the same time, it's absolutely clearly Christopher Reeve Superman is the winner of this character. <laughs> <laughs> Here, here's the, here's the like, positive case I'd make for Superman too, beyond just like, it feels obvious and it feels right. I think, so like growing up, I didn't read comics. My main insights to, or inroad to superheroes were the Spider-Man movies, the X-Men cartoon and movies and the Batman, early Batman franchise. And all of those, it was like, they were basically just action heroes, right? They're like relatable action heroes that felt like things I had seen before. And it was not until I started watching Supergirl and actually Captain America, which I think are two heroes very explicitly building building on the Reese version of Superman that I was like, oh, this this is what a superhero is. It's beyond just like, the snarky, relatable good guy who fights bad guys. It's like there, there is an innate goodness, like fundamental goodness to this Superman character that sets him apart from any other action franchise. Like this is what it is to be a superhero. And I think that template is sort of unique in that, in that that level of goodness really only exists in this superhero genre. It's not something other action mm-hmm. franchises really dip into. So I think in terms of like the best superhero, like the fact that Superman is so unique and has inspired these other, you know, characters that carry on that legacy, like, yeah, I feel like you've just, you've just got to give it to him. And when you remember that first film, he doesn't, he doesn't show up until nearly the midpoint in terms of Reeves' Superman. And like the, the fact that his version of the character makes such an impact in the second half of the film. But I think that, that the first half of the film builds up what that character is going to mean and going to represent when you see him in Metropolis wearing that costume and being Superman. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I know it, I know it, it leans really heavily on the, like the Christian uh, mythology, the ideology and the, the imagery, but um, when he does turn up, it really does feel special. And we were talking about this in our Superman Returns episode recently that movie has a couple of special moments where people in the streets look on in awe at Superman just as he flies past. And they're like some of the strongest moments in the film. And that's not because Brandon Routh has just come in and Brian Singer has just done this incredible job of setting up this character. It's because <laughs> it's because you're looking at the idea of Superman fly past and on screen, the idea of Superman is, is Christopher Reeve. Is that, and I think the thing that, the other thing differentiates um the MCU's Iron Man and the Reeve Superman in a really key way is that when you get to the end of Endgame, Iron Man gives up everything for everybody else. Like he becomes the most selfless. You know, he is the best of us. Superman is the best of us as well. But the difference is that Superman is the best of us, but believes that you could be too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Superman has that faith back at people who he is dealing mm-hmm. with. Whereas Iron Man, I don't think, thinks too much about people. No. <laughs> Superman. Oh, I, should write, 
Superman should... believes in humans. Yeah. You should write Superman comics, Alf. That was good. I'll still, <laughs> still maybe do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it sounds like it's pretty, pretty unanimous. Uh, Superman is our best hero. Uh, so we move on. We have four categories left. We have um, best actress up now. So again, we like we talked about this superhero movies traditionally not necessarily always the best for female roles. This year, um, I have in brackets all Linda Hamilton, but the winner is Margot Robbie for Birds of Prey, um, and she will go up against Rosa Salazar in Elisa Battle Angel, um, <laughs> Zoe Saldana in Infinity War, Gal Gadot in Wonder Woman, Haley Atwell in Captain America: The First Avenger. And Hayley Atwell in Agent Carter, who was our winner for the first two years in a row. Again, if you have any, if you have any thoughts outside of the category, throw uh, outside of the previous winners, throw them out. But I think we've got some good ones in there. I'm gonna go. I think great category. Many strong choices that I would be thrilled with. I'm gonna go. Margot Robbie, though, because I feel like I actually just loved Birds of Prey. The more, the further I've gotten away from it, the more I just like remember it warmly. I put it on my best films of the year list. Like I think it has individual flaws, but the overall effect of it was strong enough to sort of counteract those. And I think as just an entire, you know, like we we mentioned this, like Wonder Woman is very much building on that Superman model. Gal Gadot is awesome in it, but maybe it's something we've seen slightly more. Whereas like whatever Margot Robbie's doing is not like anything I've seen before. And that level of commitment to the zanies, the zaniness of it is that she really makes that character her own in a way that I just really love to watch. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think I think Margot Robbie is doing Harley Quinn the same way Hugh Jackman's doing Wolverine or something. Like yep. I, it's going to be so hard to recast that character and not, not be influenced by her. I just, I, I turned up to Birds of Prey and Suicide Squad purely to see Margot Robbie because she's great. And particularly as that character, I think she's unequaled. I, I will be between, but I would lean to Robbie because of Birds of Prey. Because I just look at the difference between that portrayal and Suicide Squad. And you could just tell that with Birds of Prey, Marvie being in the role, she had more say over that character in the big way. And really sort of just enjoyed on that level. And yeah, it's doing something which... It's going to be hard to, you know, I, I wouldn't put it on quite on, on quite as iconic as I was talking about. But in terms of thinking about the future of that character, and it's going to be hard to get away from Ali Quinn because it's just that good. And it's it's not. I wouldn't quite. I think it's. I wouldn't quite call it iconic, but it's very well on its way gets another uh, full film for the because I really birds of prey. I think we could see it get to that level. I think... Yeah, because... Oh, yeah. No, go on, Reese. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I took Margot Robbie as well because I think the comparison to uh, Hugh Jackman is, is totally apt. But I also think that, you know, what Jackman had in Wolverine is a more conventional 
character, more conventional hero, you know, the sort of the sort of gruff, sort of sexy loner, underdog sort of side character who's, who's who, who is this big hero like that. That is a more that's almost a more conventional leading role to play. Whereas almost the magic of the Margot Robbie Holly Quinn thing is that is that she she has so much less, or she has a much more she has, you know, she's kind of starting much further back than 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 he and you know and, and he and, and that did, and, and yet and yet gets it in a, almost in a shorter space of time to one of the sort of most important iconic you know franchise leading superhero performances just from her from her force of from her force of of of, of charisma uh, and and again f- having found this perfect role for her. Yeah, it's great. It's, and it's, but it's also, that even makes it, it's fun. It's, you know, it's so much fun. It, that, that's, that's what makes it sound, that's what makes it all a bit too serious. Like, it's just really fun and, and it's so kind of light. It's always, she's so light to watch in that role in the, in the various situations, in the various movies that she's made. Yeah. Mike, do you have thoughts here? Do you have a, are you jumping on the Margot Robbie train? <laughs> I am going to out myself. I've not seen Suicide Squad or Birds of Prey. Well, Whoa! And on, <laughs> on, the, on the one hand, you are very lucky. <laughs> on the other hand, I've missed one of the best films of the year. Um, so you just I'm, have more to look forward to. I'm very happy to be persuaded in that direction uh, or abstain. It, sounds, it, seems, it seems like for the narrative of the podcast, though, there needs to be a strong defense of Hayley Atwell. Sure. Well, okay. <laughs> that, now is Joe's time to show. Did you not think Joe wasn't... <laughs> so, I hate to start this off on like a, with a smear campaign, but um, mm. I, don't, I don't get Margot Robbie. I think that that character, I think the the iconography of that character is, you know, it's un, it's unquestionable. But like a, a, I think I think what she overcame with what with what David Ayer kind of dressed her up as, and and the way his camera ogled her was was so grim. And the fact that she came out of that film as like the one bright spot uh, with her like integrity intact is is great. Um, I don't really feel like I, I still understand that character or what drives her. And I'll be honest, I don't, I don't think I've ever been particularly taken by a Margot Robbie performance in anything. Um, and I, I know I'm in the minority there. And I'm I was happy, about to say, <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy to just go, look, this is something with it. I just don't get. And Jill, she's, I, she's so good in, in both Bill and Ted three and ready or not. Is that a Samara Weaving joke? Yes. Yes. Ah. <laughs> uh, wonderful. Um, have you seen? Look, have you seen her in I? And have you seen her in in in, uh, in I Tonya? Yeah. Because she is incredible in that movie. In my opinion, she should have won the Oscar for that movie. She's incredible. But sorry, continue. No, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I've never. I've honestly, every time I've seen her in anything, I've gone. Uh, yeah, I just, I just don't know. And that that might that might just be on me, but I, I and I don't like Birds of Prey. I don't think Birds of Prey is a good movie, but everyone else does. Um, so that's fine. I just kind of accept that maybe I was in a bad mood when I saw it, and you know I haven't seen it since it was in cinemas. So maybe I will. Joe, this is supposed to be a pro Haley Atwell case, <laughs> not <laughs> So that was that was uh, yeah. That, so that was that was the um, that was the negative ad at the start. Um, <laughs> Hayley Atwell's phenomenal. I, I just, I have 
adored everything she has done with that character. Now, on this list, this is specifically first of, for First Avenger and Agent Carter. Um, I yeah, I, I mean, I made I, I voted for Agent Carter as the best TV show, I, and I think she's phenomenal as a lead actress in that. I think she's phenomenal as a supporting actress in First Avenger. Um, I don't think anyone has had the level of chemistry that she and um, Chris Evans have in the first in the first Captain America movie. Um, and again, that's a that's a character that doesn't really exist on the page. That she just took, and I know that you could say that like perhaps that she you know she was she was set up to be the kind of the Sharon Carter of that movie, but it's it is a different character, and she and she puts her own spin on it. Um, and she got that TV show on on the basis of being, you know that 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 really dis, that that distinctive in that movie, and then in the short film that they made as one of the Marvel one shots. I think if there was any justice, there would be an Agent Carter Disney Plus series being lined up right now because I I, I don't think many of the characters they're spinning off have made the case quite as emphatically as Hayley Atwell made in First Avenger that this person could be the lead of their own TV show. Um, I love her. I think she's fantastic. And um, yeah, she would would be my my choice by a a long way. And and Zoe Saldana would be the second because I think Zoe Saldana's... uh, the moment she realizes what Thanos actually thinks at the top of, uh, as she's about to be sacrificed, like the horror in her eyes when she realizes, Oh wait, is this guy saying he loves me? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, 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 I, I think she is in, incredible in infinity war. Um, Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was still it was still just about the Haley Atwell for me. But I think I'm about to get voted down six to no, one. No, no, well, hold on. As much as <laughs> as much as I made an impassioned or joined the impassioned uh, votes for Margot Robbie, I've been hearing you during the podcast talk about Haley Haley Atwell for five years, and I sort of I would be okay with her winning this, even to, just to represent <laughs> the podcast's views, you know. And yeah. and you've sold me a bit on on the idea that she. You know, Margot Robbie sort of has some stuff to work with with Harley Quinn. Like Harley Quinn was a popular, interest, very strange, interesting, quirky character on the page for decades. And Hedy Atwell with Peggy Carton has sort of, kind of, kind of created something out of whole cloth um, that ended up being the final scene of 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 the of the MCU ten year chunk. You know, she was part of that. I uh, guess again, I, that's that's kind of something that uh, I kind of feel like Margot Robbie. She had the one-two punch of Wolf of Wall Street and uh, Suicide Squad, but I kind of feel like if someone else had been cast as Harley Quinn, they could have also become kind of iconic and the next like. You know, disagree. I was I was coming along with of the generation. Disagree, disagree. No, no, I just no, 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 no. I just I feel like <laughs> I feel like Peggy Carter is the role that you could have kind of you could have kind of cast any any British actress with a cut glass accent of her generation. And so many of them would have done nothing with it. And I what think I want to know Hayley is Atwell what Hayley Atwell, what would Hayley Atwell do with material as bad as Suicide Squad? <laughs> 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 that's, that's the only dividing line I've got. I mean, she is in the Sweeney. If you want to, if you want to find out. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and, and in fairness, the answer is not a lot. <laughs> I think There's an that... alternate. I was just gonna say the the only way to settle this is to give it to Melissa Benoist for Supergirl. <laughs> <Actually, maybe laughs> get this award. 
I would be okay with that. She's very, very good in that role. Um, and again, in terms of just embodying the tenets, please stop it. She's very, very good in that role. So, so yeah, I'd be okay with that. But I'd right, go, okay. I'd, I'd, I'd still go Robbie. Do we need, should, we, should we put this to a vote or does anyone have any, any final argument to make? Last second. Just gonna... I, I actually think what's worn, won me over more than anything else is Reese saying that Haley Atwell feels most representative of this podcast. Like that actually, I think, was very a very accurate yeah. observation. So I'm almost ready to switch my vote to Haley Atwell, I think. I told you that. I'm on the Melissa train, no? <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. <It's> <laughs> votes, votes for Melissa Benoist. Oh, Benoist, sorry. And it's only <laughs> out. Don't okay. leave me hanging. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Votes for the, <laughs> just for this podcast. Votes for Margot Robbie. <laughs> two. Okay, we've got two votes for Margot Robbie. So are the others all fairly out. Well, sure. Ah. I've gone ever. I've yeah. just gone all over the place. <laughs> Wait, Mike, did you abstain or did you vote for someone? I'm abstaining. Okay. So Haley Atwell, I, I don't know how I did it. But Can't somehow. believe that defeats naturally Jaws only friends of Mario Robbie. Only thing I was going to say there was, can you imagine the alternate universe in which Natalie Dormer is Biggie Carter and Haley Atwell plays a, a cameo oh character who steals a snog with Steve in a station recovered. Mad. Utterly mad. Or where, or where Jenna Louise Coleman is um, is Haley and is Peggy and Haley Atwell is on the, the, the friend of some, yeah, he's on Doctor Who. Yeah, <laughs> that would probably be quite good. No, she's too hot for Doctor Who. Sorry, this podcast will last another eighteen hours if we're giving awards for alternate reality. No, cars. we've only got, we've only got, we we've only got, this. we've only got three left. Right, let's do it. Best actor this year by oh, default, we gave it to Hugh Jackman for Days of Future Past, but ignore that. We have Robert Downey Jr. for Avengers Endgame. This category does not have much. Um, well, you'll see. Christopher Reeve for <laughs> Superman 3, Hugh Jackman for X2 and Logan, Hugh Jackman for X-Men, and Robert Downey Jr. again for Iron Man. <laughs> so we, we essentially have boiled this down over six years to Robert Downey Jr., Hugh Jackman, and Christopher Reeve, who I think, I think you could make the argument are the three actors who have, outside of Chris Evans maybe, and well, and actually Chadwick Boseman, but who have embodied their character you know you, you kind of you think of those people and you think of those roles and also emblematic of the three eras really of superhero movies aren't they you know Reed yeah. is your your era one and Jackman's your era two and and Downey's your era three and I guess Jackman gets his epilogue but it really does feel like it really does feel like that's what it is with Logan mm. Um, Logan wins it for Jackman though right like that that probably without Logan those are real neck and neck well, you say, with Logan, with Logan, Jackman, Jackman takes it. There we go. You say that, but I'm looking at Caroline, who I know famously does not have much time for Logan. Oh shit! Yeah, it's true. I don't really like Logan, but I do love Hugh. Jack- like, I'm not going to make an anti Hugh Jackman case based on Logan. <laughs> <laughs> There's the Wolverine to consider a movie that I love. <laughs> um, my initial impulse was that because we were before debating Superman versus 
Iron Man and we gave it to mm. Superman, maybe we should give it to Downey here because I do think he does so much original stuff with the character. But now I'm, nope, now I'm going Jackman. <laughs> I really, again, I had a full, a full cycle I went through and I think I landed on Jackman. I, I love X-Men. That's always my go-to superhero franchise. So that, that'll be my, my pick. Yeah, I think with, with 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 Jackman, you get, you know, you get like in X Men One, you get, you, you know, he's a young buck, he hasn't even joined the team, and then he comes around, and then two, he's, he's, and then three. I'm sorry, I'm just <laughs> through. But you get, you get, just you listing guys, numbers at this point. <laughs> everybody here, everybody in this Zoom knows. You can visualize how much, how much, how the range that Jackman delivers, and and from from that first movie, it all feels so consistent. You can watch all of those films again tomorrow, and you can see all that those different facets of that character. And I love Downey Jr. And you know, he's he's the he's the arguably like the co-author of the whole MCU that we all love. But I sort of think like what you see there is it's him. It's, it's sort of more him. Um, whereas if you look at Jackman and, th- and you know, he's given other performances, other, other different types <laughs> of performances, you know? And so that feels more acting and, 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 and yet with the same kind of... You, only, you yeah. only have to look at Hugh Jackman's other movies to know how good he is as Wolverine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> love Great Showman. Better not be a Great Showman slight. I think it's interesting here that we're... we're I, and I think we are talking between... Jackman and Downey Jr. But I think it's interesting that the other ones that I named that actually, you know, didn't didn't win this on in their respective years. You've got Christopher Reeve as Superman, you've got Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther, and you've got Chris Evans as Captain America, who I think all kind of perfectly embody their characters, but their characters are so kind of set in stone in terms of what they are and what they believe. Um Whereas I think that with 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 Wolverine and Iron Man, you've 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 handed those two actors characters that have a little bit more to play with, um, and I I mean I, I I think Hugh Jackman is phenomenal from the moment he walks on screen in X Men, but I think the the difficulty is I think Hugh Jackman has been more consistent and is good in even the lesser X Men movies. Robert Downey Jr., I, I would argue, has phoned it in a couple of times. Um, but when he hasn't, the, the, the kind of the number of angles that he's had to play on that character over the years, you know, from, from, from Iron Man, I think, I think the Iron Man 3 version of the character is my favourite. Um, Civil War, uh, as much as I don't love that movie, um, I think tut, tut, tut. <laughs> watching what trying trying to watch him kind of try and try and comprehend what why he stands where he stands in that movie or kind of like post rationalize it to himself is really is really excellent and then Endgame where he gets to play the whole new angle with the family as well um I think I I think I lean towards Robert Downey Jr no. but this but this is kind of a as a as a <laughs> collective rather than for one individual performance but it's, it's not a fair fight you watch downey on interviews he is on he is iron man it's it's at the end of that first movie he is iron man you know so so he's just he's just kind of erupting with his his natural 
persona, charm, movie star charisma. Yeah. It all comes out in those movies. Jackman, you watch Jackman interviews. Jackman isn't Wolverine. Jackman no. is, 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 is the greatest showman, you know? So, Jack- Jackman so is. all the Wolverine stuff, he's tamping it down. He's turning yeah, those his, knobs down. You watch his career and really Wolverine is the one, is the kind it's of the blip. great, it's the yes. playing against types. Yes. And, and, and also when, when he mix. does tend to play against type like that in other movies, like when, when he is kind of doing his like gruff routine in a Van Helsing or a real steel. It, it, it doesn't tend to ring true, but some, there is something so perfect about his Wolverine that you never question it. I don't think we can leave. I don't think we can leave the problems with either Van Helsing or Wolverine. I think if you were to say to Robert Downey Jr. though, that he was phoning it in, then he would probably swallow hard, twitch his nostrils, purse his lips briefly, look at the ground and sniff. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh dear. But then he'd probably accept it. <laughs> he literally, you know, Spider-Man 1, he's literally phoning in his performance. He's literally, you know, yeah. they shoot him wherever he happens, Danny Jr. was at that moment. Oh, yeah. you're in you're in Brazil? Okay, we're going to film you here. We're going to pretend you're in the suit over there. Like, he's, he is, he yeah. phones in that. <laughs> I also think he's. I also think he's kind of bad in uh, Age of Ultron, but I don't want to. Don't hey, too much. <laughs> there will be no Age of Ultron slander on this podcast. Are Again, I'm looking. Wait, I'm looking at Mike, and he looks like he's got opinions. No, 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 Age of Ultron. I agree with you in Age of Ultron. Sorry, Emma. Yes. Oh no, no you'll do the him. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but in the spirit of how we've been doing this so far, we are matching the. The, the films they won for in the past up against each other. So this isn't a career yeah. award for Hugh Jackman versus yes, so, for Rob Downey Jr. So, so technically, we gave, it's so we, Iron yeah, Man exactly. and Endgame for RDJ, and it is X-Men, X2, Logan, and Days of Future Past for Hugh okay, Jackman. Pretty even fight. Those are good films yeah. to be They're all good films, from. but... Apart I don't, from I don't, Days of Future Past, which is... Yeah, I mean, I mean, oh, I don't hey, Days of Future Past is a good film. Yeah, it's a good film. I think it's the opposite of not bad. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I, I, I just don't think that Hugh Jackman gave a performance where he had to had to carry so much of the weight of the emotion of the film that RDJ did in Endgame. I don't want to hear from Mike. Can, can <laughs> in Logan, in Logan, he literally has to carry the weight of Patrick Stewart. <laughs> he's, not, he's not nominated for Logan, is he? No, yeah, he, no, is, he, he is. is. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. <gasps> There's a half X2, half Logan nomination because they both fell in the same year. So we gave him both. So savage. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, I think I think in a way the fact that it's Jackman for X2 slash Logan, going by the you know real rules of this episode, I feel like again that. That just gets just gets him over the line because you you know you you that represent so representative of his of that of the whole character you know be, mm-hmm. almost be, almost beginning to end so much range there in X two you even you've got flashbacky stuff you've got so much there from those two movies I love Endgame I love Danny Jr. in Endgame but even you know uh, you know he has big stuff at the end of Endgame and um, arguably at the beginning but. That there's so much else going on in that film. So again, if we're if we're playing by the Michael rules, it has to. I mean, it has to be Jackman. It has to be Jackman. It's time to vote. It's time to vote. Yeah, it is time to vote. Okay, Hugh Jackman. Who is voting for Jackman? Four. Of, I'm going with the majority. Then five. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Hugh 
huge Amazon. I, I honestly, I could have gone through either. Uh, I felt like Reese. Yeah, every, every time someone spoke, like, they are right. They're right. <laughs> So, uh, so Hugh Jackman is best actor, right? Only two awards left. I, I, I mean, we're going to do probably, arguably, the more fun one first. This is worst film, the worst <laughs> film we have ever covered on Cinematic Universe. <laughs> the nominees here are Superman Four: The Quest for Peace from this year, Dark Phoenix, Spawn, The Amazing Spider-Man Two, Man of Steel, and the Josh Trank Fantastic Four. Oh, Josh Trank Fantastic Four. I remember yeah. being in the screening for that movie. Good Lord Almighty. Awful. The laughter. I was in the same screening. The oh, laughter y- yes, you were. around the room. Because I, 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 I will never forget when they're doing that final scene. Oh, God. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> and I was like begging them. I may have been saying it out loud, but I'll yeah. may, I know that I was saying it inwardly, like, don't say it. Don't say it. And they say, friend. I don't I don't oh, believe that Josh Trank directed that last scene. I just don't <laughs> believe it. It doesn't belong on the end of that movie. Uh, it's 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 fantastic for me. The the the, the run up would be Dark Phoenix, um, because it just went out with such a whimper that franchise. That was such a bummer. But in You're forgetting defense, New Mutants, I think, my friend. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Good nah. movie. Good movie. No, it isn't. It's so forgettable. Don't spoil the podcast, Jack. <laughs> sorry, sorry. But um, but, but yeah, um, it's just Trank's fantastic for me. Just Trank, maybe he's fantastic. <laughs> I agree. I also think Fantastic Four, like, as a culture, it brought us a lot of fun of a thing to make fun of. (laughs) And just a thing to dissect. Like, it feels like that was a real fun, like, phenomenon we all experienced together. And mostly, I feel like, maybe not just trying, but, like, the actors have mostly emerged unscathed. They're sort of getting rescued in other superhero properties. Like, we had a fun laugh. Mostly everything came out okay. That's kind of like what I want from a bad movie. Yeah. No, Michael B. Jordan went to the Human Torch yeah. Rehabilitation Center. That is the yeah, MCU. Exactly. So, so that was good. Can I? Can I just... Teller has maybe not has maybe had a got a bit dinged by that film. But yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe. He'll can I fine, take a yeah. moment to just make a make an argument that I have tried to make every year on this podcast? Man of Steel doesn't belong in this list. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't like Man of Steel, but I just don't think it belongs in a worst no. film list. It has it has enough going for it. It just has. I I can understand why anyone who likes the you know the kind of flashback ten minutes to Al talking passionately about Superman. I can understand how anyone who has those thoughts then watches Man of Steel and goes, "Well, fuck that thing." Um, but I just think it has enough. <laughs> it, has, it has enough <laughs> elements that I'm like. It's not. Man of Steel is Man of Steel is better than Batman Begins and Dark Knight Rises. Come at me, bro. <laughs> that's my. That's my. Oh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> what the hell did you just say? <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a glitch. You didn't. Whatever you heard, it wasn't. <laughs> you heard something else. What the hell came out of your mouth just now? I can't really defend it with sentences, but it's it's, my, it's in my heart. Oh, you can my... blasphemous. I love. The... <laughs> I like the score. I like the theme. Speaking to a score man, the song. I like the song, and then you know, yeah, the movie, it, it the does. It does have a good score. Um, I think pe- perhaps the film in this list that there's a couple of films in this list that I think maybe maybe could be just as just as at home in the. Howard T. Duck Award. Spawn is right on the edge. It's so terrible. Yeah. But but when I think back, I don't think, oh, 
God, fuck that film. I think <laughs> that was that was fun when we did that on the podcast. That was kind of fun. <laughs> like in a in a kind of in a kind of Nick Fury Agent of Shield way or a Generation X kind of way. Like I just look back fondly on it and I could I feel like it would be too harsh to just And Michael Jai White's kind of good. Like it's he's good. Yeah. The actual hero <laughs> in it's quite good. I think the amazing Spider-Man 2 is a fucking abomination. I hate it. <laughs> but, but I think the costume's the, good. I think the Amazing Spider-Man is worse. So I can't, in good conscience, vote for that. I just say, I, what I think we should take note of is Fantastic Four is very bad, and Josh Trank's career died because of it. But who produced that movie? Simon Kinberg, who directed another film on this list, Simon Kinberg. I was going to make a case for Dark Phoenix because that's a movie where every scene fails on an individual level. One of the major action set pieces is the X-Men trying to cross a road. <laughs> well, and another every, major, another every major scene fails on an individual level. Another major action <laughs> sequence is, great is, is, is two characters <laughs> high-fiving at a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> while looking constipated. And it has that sequence that it intercuts between two different groups of people wandering around two different forests. It, just, it can't, it doesn't work on any level. I, and I think as well that the, the reason for me that Dark Phoenix feels kind of appropriate is that that was a franchise that coming off Days of Future Past, it went, mm. holy shit, has the X-Men franchise managed to rival the MCU? I remember that moment <laughs> where they t- brought out everyone on the stage at Comic-Con and you went, oh, wow, that's actually, they've got, you know, so many, like, great iterations of these characters and, like, a, a decade of history to play on and people love Days of Future Past and you're thinking, right, okay, what's the X-Men franchise going to do next? And they had the teaser for Apocalypse at the end and you go, ooh, who's this Apocalypse? I mean, I did anyway. <laughs> who's this Apocalypse guy? And then it cuts to one film oh, later and... Learning. Yeah. And then... And then... <laughs> And, and meanwhile, the X franchise is at the side, having huge successes with Deadpool and Logan. Mm. And then the franchise ends with Dark Phoenix getting farted out into the ether. I just... It's, it's remarkable how badly they fucked that up. And for me, Dark Phoenix is kind of like the... It's mm. the distillation of all of that, of look at this. It shouldn't be this bad. Remember how they announced <laughs> that Mystique that Mystique was dead before the movie came oh out. Oh my lord! Yeah. Also, yeah. well, it's like you've got you've got Jennifer Lawrence, you've got James McAvoy, you've got Michael Fassbender. You've recast the original five iconic X Men. You know, for a couple of movies now, but you know, you've you've, you've got all that. You've got uh, you've made a load of money, so you can sort of spend any amount of money you you know probably you want you want on on this film. And then what? The movie is is Dark Phoenix. Yeah, that, that's it. That, is, it has to, that has to win. Has to Whereas, win. and and I know there was a lot of there was a lot of passion for Fantastic Four at the start of this discussion. But if tomorrow someone started trending hashtag release the trank cut, <laughs> I want. I gen. I'm not joking here. I want to see that movie. I want to see what that movie was when it was all body horror and it didn't have like 45 minutes chopped out of the middle. I kind of. I don't think it would be good, but I think it would be. I think it would be more interesting. Um, and yeah, I like Jamie Bell. I like Michael B. Jordan. I like Kate Mara. I like, I like Miles Tyler. I like everyone. Reggie Caffrey gives a great performance. Like, it's a good movie. Apart from it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and we My give it jointly. 
I was going to say, can we give it jointly to those? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Or not. My (laughs) counterpoint, I think Apocalypse is actually significantly worse than Dark Phoenix. So I'll just throw that out there. I think, I, I, I don't hate Dark Phoenix, but I also do understand the arguments for why it should win this award. So I won't put up too hard of a fight. Apocalypse when the opening sequence just, just like Microsoft screensavers its way through swastikas. And you're going, what is happening here? Where am <laughs> I? Should we, to, should we give it to Apocalypse? <laughs> should we just give yeah. it to Simon Kimberg? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how I'm did, down with that. How did, That's fair. how did Justice League not make this list? Is it, so I t- I, I don't know if Justice League in and of itself is it's just boring. It's not as bad as anything on the list, yeah. It has it has moments where you're like, this is competent. It's just they don't add up to become anything. It just for me it's a void of a movie where I'm like, I can't be angry at it. I just forget that it exists. Also, I mean, they're, they're gonna have they're go, they are going to hashtag release the Snyder Cut, so we you know we don't really have a yay. we can't really have an honest take on it yet, you know. Batman's really gonna swear, yay. <laughs> <laughs> So I think work, I've heard there's going to be all this really contemporary, cool, you know, original stuff in it. <laughs> I I think that we should we should split the difference here and give it to Dark Phoenix and Fantastic Four to yeah. to honor Simon Kinberg's contribution <laughs> to the last five years of superhero movies. <laughs> okay, best film, final award. Let's do this, guys. This is the award that we said we would give to Terminator Two this year, but. <laughs> We're going to say Birds of Prey. Can we just give it to Terminator James. 2 and we just move on? James, James, <laughs> James, <laughs> James twisted my arm. The other nominees are Snowpiercer, The Dark Knight, The Avengers, Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man. And mm-hmm. just just to, because um, I can see Amon's cogs twirling again, The Dark Knight we gave it to in the year of Spider-Verse, Infinity War and Black Panther because we were like, like if we can't agree for it for new film, we just need to give it to Dark Knight now. <laughs> But I guess, given we given we have retroactively said into the Spider Verse, if we want to make that the case for that year as well, we can. Mm-hmm. We so also this... we also picked Spider Man over Superman in the first year of this podcast. I think so that this, was my fault. This that award to fault. me is this is this is this is between Avengers, which is the best superhero film that that has been made, versus The Dark Knight, which is maybe the most influential film of the twenty first century. That's the that's the fight. Go for it, guys. Mm. And I don't, I don't I was know. I Spider Man 2, so. Oh, <laughs> shit! Spider Man 2 is my one out of this list. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> this is really tough. I, I, this list is, is really tough. I think for me, it will, it, this list will be, will be between The Dark Knight and Spider Man 2. Oh, I might go to Spider Man 2, you know. I think. Oof, I'm still, I'm still. <laughs> you guys talk, convince me, but it's between, it's between those two, the Dark Knight, and Spider Man. Mike is, Mike is, uh, is fiddling with his beard in a very pensive way. <laughs> I'm, I'm beard stroking because I'm thinking about Snowpiercer, but I remember your yeah. your argument last year was Snowpiercer felt like a real film compared to <laughs> a lot of the usual trash we talk about on here, and, I, and the, I, I'd argue then that that shouldn't really be in the mix here because it's not within it's good. within a genre. <laughs> um, I think Spider Man Two would be my pick. I think that that is a foundational film, not just for the last twenty years of superhero blockbuster filmmaking but also personally but i think that the avengers is so important to this podcast surely the mm. whole I, I can't remember if the gears line up at all for when you joe you knew the avengers was coming up you want to know why should i care who are all these characters <laughs> um it feels like we shouldn't 
overlook that. The Avengers was certainly the film that like it, that that my excitement for all of this stuff boiled over. So I had been watching and really enjoying superhero movies, you know, as as long as I've been old enough to go to the cinema and and see them. And actually, like one of the first films that I saw in the cinema. Sam's parents was the Raimi Spider-Man and that that film blew my mind and I bought the DVD and watched it on repeat and like I still to this day I know Spider-Man 2 is probably the better film I would rather watch I would rather watch the first one because it I just have a lot of affection for it but yeah the the first the first Avengers movie I saw it at a press screening I think I was talking to Amon on the way out of that in um in Leicester Square and just being and just like anyone I could find I... just just being like holy shit and 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 who's who is that guy and what's what's going to happen next and I was just like I need some I need yeah. some nerds to talk me through this stuff and like <laughs> and, yeah. and and eventually I found them and you know um I went with Reese uh, a couple of days afterwards on the, on its first day of general release and watched the film with him oh, then know. as well well no I mean yeah famous, famously Reese Reese had already seen no I think you'd already seen we'd both seen it separately and you weren't sure and I loved it <laughs> And then we walked out of it from our second viewing. Reese was like, yeah, I was stupid. That's fucking incredible. <laughs> um, and it just it, it, it ignited, yeah. for me anyway, yeah, I... it ignited wanting to know more. Like, I love that movie. And I've talked a lot on this podcast about why I love the movie in particular. But, like, it was the thing that made me go, well, I, I kind of want to dive into all of the stuff behind this, and yeah, in in terms personally, in terms of like the the floodgates that it opened, the Avengers would be my choice for that reason. Yeah. So, yeah. the the only argument I can make in favor of Spider Man Two over Avengers is that I think Avengers is a really good MCU superhero action movie, right? In the MCU mold, which is like here are a bunch of superheroes and they're doing interpersonal superhero things. We don't care that there is a public as well. Whereas Spider-Man 2, for me, feels like it's come straight from the genre as represented in the comics, right? Because it's about Peter's personal life and about the people around him and about how he squares being a superhero with, you know, all of that. And I think comics have moved more in the direction of the Avengers since the MCU started being a thing. But I think as a pure superhero movie, Spider-Man 2 nails it in a way that almost no other one has since. Where I would kick back against that, though, is when you said that the Avengers is a great movie in the MCU mould. The Avengers is the MCU mould. Yeah, fair, <laughs> fair. <laughs> yeah. I, I think would give it I to Spider-Man 2 as my Spider-Man 2 as well. <laughs> yeah. I think I would <laughs> lean into Spider-Man 2 uh, as well because... because uh, <laughs> can, you guys, can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah. it's just it's just Reese's. He's angry. Is that I'm changed for uh because <laughs> the votes are going in a certain direction. I like it. <laughs> Sorry, go on, Amon. Uh, yeah, I think I would need to Spider-Man to for all the reasons James said, and also because you know Spider-Man, the whole ethos of that character is you know the consequences of being Spider-Man and how they relate to Peter Parker. And there's been no Spider-Man film before or since that has dealt with action and consequence for that character better than that film does. 
I think that's actually something that the MCU Spider-Man could stand to take more notice of. I don't think they get that right all of the time. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, the thing which the Dark Knight has over Spider-Man is that once-in-a-lifetime performance by Heath Ledger, um, which there's just nothing on the performance level that Spider-Man 2 has over that film. But I think in terms of pure comic book superhero goodness, Spider-Man 2 has it over the Dark Knight. And for that reason, I'm going with Spider-Man 2. Okay, we need to wrap it up, so I think it's time to vote. No, no, because the vote's getting... No, we have to do things to to change the mind of the group. Okay, votes for the Avengers. The Avengers. Spider-Man 2? Spider-Man 2 carries it four to three. So (laughs) Spider-Man 2 is the winner of best, uh, I mean, I guess, best superhero slash comic book film ever. Ever. It's not a bad choice. It's not. It's really not a bad choice. Um, <laughs> Reese, what have you been? What have you been drinking? Wine. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know that, what? We we fulfilled your original desire to spread the love amongst yeah. multiple films. I, you yeah, can't I, say we didn't do that today. We really yeah. we got a lot covered. Listen, we covered all the we covered all the big ones. We got Spider Man two. We've got uh, the Dark Knight. The we've, Dark. we've got the Avengers. <laughs> we got Black Panther, and we've got Howard the Duck. Yeah. So I think we've. I think we've done a fine job. Mm-hmm. Um, Caroline, Reese, Amon, Mike, Al, thank you so much for joining us um, to, to I guess, litigate the entire history of our podcast. Um, I've, I think we've, I think we've made some good calls, um, and, and I like to think that Seb wouldn't have been too angry with us on, on too many of them. Um, <laughs> I, and we we felt like it was an appropriate thing to do this at the at the end of the six years as well, given that you know, um, you know, it, I I don't think it would have been the same arguing over the years specific choices without Seb, um, but also the fact that you know uh, over the course of this podcast we have kind of in terms of what's been released up to date we've we've covered just about everything that feels significant. There's probably going to be a, a few, but as James and I have discussed, not many that are worthy of spending a full podcast talking about. So we've, we've got, we're just about there in terms of those. I think there's, there's maybe two or three left over. Um, but thanks guys very much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, it's fun. It's it's fun to talk about nerdy shit with your friends, and that is, I I think that has become the ethos of this podcast. We take anything from this year. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Yeah. So, um, what I would like to say is, guys, thank you very much for joining us. Twenty twenty, fuck you, and um, <laughs> we'll see you in the new year. Peace. Cheers. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks, Joe. So that was the the sixth annual cuppies, and, and as you now know, kind of like the the amalgam cuppies, the champion of champions <laughs> edition. Um, Don't worry, knows? we'll make sure Reese gets the help he deserves. Uh, he needs. <laughs> he was cheesed. Um, so you you join us back in the present um, to run through the Hall of Fame, which is something that um, we didn't have time to to go through on the on that main record. There, we didn't want to keep everyone. Uh, <laughs> ch- chatting into the wee hours to uh, to to do the last bits of admin, um, but the Hall of Fame, James. Um, 
always always fun to reel off this list of names that we've put into it in previous years. Um, yeah. As you chuckle and go, why we added that that person? <laughs> Did we? Okay. Uh, so, uh, 2015, the inductee was Nicolas Cage. 2016, Na- naturally, Nicolas Cage. Yeah, because I think because he'd had Kickass and Ghost Rider, and we were like, what else will we? We're not going to put him in for Spirit of Vengeance, and obviously, he just he just added to that by doing Teen Titans voices and. And I was going to say, if we had known Spider-verse. he was going to be in Spider Verse and Teen Titans Go, we might have waited until that but until hey, that year. He but. just. He just solid. He's got a whole wing to himself now. Twenty sixteen, we added Haley Atwell and Sam Raimi. Twenty seventeen, well, again, those two never, never came back to do superhero movie stuff again. (laughs) Twenty seventeen, Hugh Jackman, Michael Keaton, and Laurie Petty. Twenty eighteen, Stanley, Vincent D'Onofrio, Heath Ledger, and J.K. Simmons. Twenty nineteen, Marcus and McFeely, Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Tilda Swinton, and Wesley Snipes. So twenty twenty, James, we could carry on that tradition of adding an extra name every year, but it's we can't though uh, because we have to socially distance the the yeah. Hall of Fame. <laughs> and at some point, it would be like Richard Herring with his Ferrero Rocher. There would just be <laughs> it would be it, the logistics just wouldn't be right. Um, so we, we we had a chat offline and we thought that we would put just two people into the Hall of Fame this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think probably listeners, this will this will probably make make sense why we've done this, but also it just after after the kind of the idea was floated, they didn't really feel like a, a it, it felt like the most appropriate thing and the right thing we we could do. Um, this <laughs> this year, we are going to put in Seb Patrick and Chadwick Boseman into our Cinematic Universe Hall of Fame. Um, and I, you know, I think well, let let's let's start off with Chadwick Boseman, James, because it's it's, it's probably <laughs> probably easier for us to. Um, we when we're never going to see. Um, Sadly, another performance from Chadwick Boseman. Um, and, you know, what was immediately clear after he passed away was what an impact he had left. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I do think that, you know, we've, we've, we've put a lot of names in there um, ahead of him. And I, and I, you know, I think, you know, if, if we, we, looking back, we probably thought, well, we're going to get loads more Chadwick Boseman. In well, that years. was the thing, wasn't it? Like the, a lot of our reasoning was we're never going to, we're never going to see better from these people than we've seen this year. And we assumed Chadwick Boseman's best was ahead of him. But the, but what he did leave behind between, I think, you know, obviously Black Panther itself, that, that single movie is the mm-hmm. crowning achievement, but um what he brought to um, the other MCU movies that he appeared in. And I think, you know, we talked about this when he passed away, the impact he left yeah. off the screen as well. And the the way that he really embraced carrying the mantle of Black Panther and what Black Panther represented, um, you know, to, I was going to say to the African-American community, but that's, that's, you know that's not true is it it's to, to everyone yeah. well it's a black audiences worldwide particularly but you know the fact that it did resonate so hugely beyond that as well was mm-hmm. yeah really testament to that performance and, and how he 
Yeah, and how he just embraced it away from the screen. And, you know, yeah. n- knowing what he was going through while he was filming all of that stuff is just, it just adds... It's crazy looking back on it to think, isn't it? Like, that people just had no idea. No one had any idea. After Endgame came out, I uh, watched 21 Bridges. Because hmm. I was like, I, I want to see what he's like when he's not being the Black Panther. And he was clearly just a really good leading man. He would have had such a future ahead of him. And, you know, what What it sounds like as well, I, I haven't seen Ma Rainey's Black Bottom yet, but it sounds like he is the front runner for Best Supporting Actor at this year's mm-hmm. Oscars. Um, yeah. And he also gives, a, a film that I have seen, he also gives a really phenomenal supporting performance in uh, The Five Bloods, the Spike, mm. Lee movie, Spike, uh, the Spike Lee movie from earlier this year that was on Netflix. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it yeah it's tragic that we won't get to see any more performances, but I do think he is going to be, you know, we're going to look back in a, a couple of decades time at that performance and that role at, at, in a way that we do with Christopher Reeve Superman. And, and not just because he was taken early, just because I think it was, it was that iconic and it, and it meant that much to people. Yeah. Well, it, like it, it seems like a big deal that they've decided not to recast the character. Yeah, and I and I, I I don't know how they, I don't know how they could. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. How could you? It feels like such a big deal, but also like they've made the only decision that you know they they made mm-hmm. the only choice that was really that made <laughs> appropriate, insane. Yeah. 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 Um. So yeah. Exactly. So Ch- Chadwick Boseman inducted into the um into the Hall of Fame, and then I. I I know we've we've done this a lot on the podcast, um, but you know we wanted to to take another moment to to uh, honor Seb here, I guess. Um, <laughs> put Seb into the Hall of Fame. Um, if this this feels very appropriate, I think Seb would get a real <laughs> kick out of this. Like, I think he would as well. Yeah, it's it's him and Chadwick Boseman and Stan Lee and Robert Downey Jr. and Hugh Jackman. <laughs> Uh, I think I think Seb would love that. Um, when when I say "fuck you" twenty twenty to the end of this to the you know the end of the main podcast, um, this year was tough, obviously for everyone with the pandemic and lockdown and quarantine. And I think you know it is, and and lots of people uh, you know lots of people have lost loved ones this year. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, when when I look back at this year, I think you know, losing Seb was just this, uh, you know, this bolt from the blue in the middle of a horrendous year that just felt. Uh, it, it it still feels kind of like it, it towers over everything else, and yeah, think- it, it was a real blindsiding moment, wasn't it? And I think about, you know, I think about Seb as often as I do uh, any kind of, you know, quarantine related things this year. It's just, it's, it was just brutal and horrible and we miss him. Um, But when I was, I was thinking earlier today about my favorite moments from this year, because it's, you know, it's been a really shitty year and trying to, to pick out the, those positive aspects those positive moments can be tough but I was thinking about how you know like the one side effect of 
quarantine that has been good for me is it means that I don't have to commute to and from work each morning. And that means that I get to spend a couple of extra hours a day with my daughter. Mm -hmm. Or if it's, if it's one of the days where she's at home rather than at nursery, it means if I nip downstairs to get a coffee in the middle of the day, I get to see her for five minutes and that's lovely. And I was, and I was thinking, you know, um, my friends were able to get married in November to squeezed in between, (laughs) in between different tiering announcements and national lockdowns, which was lovely. Uh, But then I think what, you know, when I think that's like one of the most positive things that I could see come out of this year was the response to Seb's death and the way that the way that people rallied around and, and raised all that money for his family, I thought was, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I mean, yeah. And like knowing, you know, knowing Joe, I know exactly what a difference it made as well. Like, I I know Seb would not have expected that in, certainly not in the amount he got it. It was, it was incredible, wasn't it? And, you know, the, the, the amount of people who then, you know, you know, who, who reached out and said kind things and. Mm-hmm. And continue to, to be fair, like people, yeah. people still ask. Yeah, yeah and, still ask, and, still ask if I'm okay, if his family's okay. And it's, I, I, I mean, we've both, we've both said this privately, but you know, I could only dream of that many people saying that many nice <laughs> things after I died. It just, uh-huh. it, and when you saw, kind of like beyond, like the different like pop culture bubbles that he touched online and the different communities that he was a part of on the internet. The fact, you know, that, that you know, we were, the, we were there thinking, oh, would, wouldn't it be really, like, he submitted this video and he wanted to, for him and Lois <laughs> to be in the end credits of Bill and Ted, and we were thinking, wouldn't it be nice if that could actually happen? And even better than that, the... <laughs> <laughs> the screenwriter of Bill and Ted knew Seb by name from their interactions online and posted yeah. a, le- a lengthy tribute on his Twitter to Seb, mm-hmm. which is just, uh, j- I just, yeah. I, and I, and that was, I think one of the, that was one of the bright spots for me this year was the, the way that people responded. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I think the people listening to us right now are the, uh, you know, are a, you know, a good deal of the people who responded in that way and said those kind things. And, you know, I think it's, I think it's worth saying to those people that it meant a lot and it meant a lot to everyone who donated uh, for his family. And yeah, Um, I, I think, you know, obviously this is, this podcast is one of the communities that Seb had forged online. And um, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I, yeah, I think it's a, a thank you to everyone who did say those, say those nice things and, uh, and donate that money. And we, you know, as if, as if Seb isn't already, you know, <laughs> enshrined in this podcast forever, we thought let's, let's make it formal and, and put him in the hall of fame. <laughs> And, and and Seb does get a wing, right? Maybe some maybe some of these other chumps can move into Seb's wing. <laughs> I assumed he'd be on the door, to be honest. <laughs> he'd be able to greet people. Yeah. Or, t- <laughs> or turn them away. Yeah, turn them away. Ex- ex- yeah. Ex- explain to them on the way in. So the fi- the thing about the Starman exhibit ex- exhibit <laughs> is <laughs> 
so that is our Hall of Fame for this year. Um, James, we do have one episode in the bank for next year. Um, yeah. I, I guess we can we can just say what that is now because it's going to be the next thing that listens <laughs> here, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think so. We, uh, we have a Blade Trinity episode in the bank that uh, Caroline Cedar was a guest on. Um, we didn't, given that it was it's coming out next year and we recorded it before this, but it, it isn't being released before this, we thought we wouldn't include it in the copies today. In but fairness, rest, it would not assured. have made a dent <laughs> in the nominations. The only thing I think it could have impacted is worst movie. <laughs> But it wouldn't, <laughs> it wouldn't, it, it, it definitely isn't a Howard T. Duck award. No, exactly. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, you can look forward to Blade Trinity and then, um, and then, yeah, we, we best get recording some episodes, James. Yeah, we've got New Mutants and Wonder Woman 84 out in January. Yes. So Bef- it's going to be busy. And then the, and then the Disney Plus train will kick into gear. Yeah. <laughs> oh, finally. Lots of- Content is the, coming. The year James. without Marvel has ended. <laughs> and hope, and you know, fingers crossed. Touch wood, we will be back in cinemas by the summer, yeah. and and able to see stuff like Black Widow, um, fully vaccinated, God, and ready the... to watch the Snyder Cut in its four-hour <laughs> glory. Please, you know, <laughs> if we if we are blessed with being able to return to cinemas. Can we just can we just keep the Snyder Cut on HBO Max? <laughs> and I do just mean HBO Max. It doesn't need to find a UK distributor. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to watch it, James? Uh, yeah, just out of sheer morbid curiosity, I will. Just to just to imagine what the process was of of turning half of a finished movie into a different movie. Maybe this can be my Watchmen. Maybe. I don't. I don't want them to shit on the original vision <laughs> and the original <laughs> Joss Whedon, Zack Snyder sort of hybrid yeah. monster vision. Oh, oh god! <laughs> so, well, hey, look, there's something to not look forward to in every year, and that's one thing not to look forward to next year. But we'll, <laughs> we should, what we should do, though, James, is if we do cover that on the podcast, is like get someone who's not really into it because those people are scary, but get someone who like maybe likes it. That would be good. Yeah. We might like think, it. Maybe it'll turn us around. Maybe we'll be like, fuck, they were right all along. Maybe. I think that that can be our pledge for 2021. We'll find someone who We will find the it. person who doesn't hate it and get them on. But definitely not someone who loves it. Yeah. Or already knows that they love it, you know. Anyone who has tweeted using the release the Snyder Cut hashtag yeah. will be excluded by default. <laughs> Great. So listeners, you can look forward to all of that in 2021. As I said, we'll be back with our Blade Trinity episode um, in a week. Fairly quickly, hopefully. Fairly yeah, quickly. In a week yeah. or two. We want to get yeah. to Wonder Woman as quickly as we can. Yeah. It's so. ready. It's ready. It's in the bank. We, it would be rude of us not to let you listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it devolves into me just talking about Ryan Reynolds' abs. Can't, can't, can't exactly remember. As so, most conversations do, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who's Joe listing after this week? <laughs> Could be anyone. <laughs> uh, so, listeners, thank you very much for uh, sticking with us during uh, this trying year. We will be back with Blade Trinity and lots more in 2021. See you next year. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>